Hello, and welcome to episode 208 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the colonizer, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. How is never as important as why? Mmm. Mmm. On this week's episode, Disney's restraint and Star Wars movie rumblings, Super Pig, Consumption, and other musings, all before diving into our flick of the week, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And don't forget to tune in after the credits for the last word on The Last of Us, which is generally one to two episodes behind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we didn't miss any weeks, but this will release after the next episodes come out. I'm going to, like, ultimately, like, I really want to try to produce it and push it out tomorrow so that I can get myself back ahead of. Yeah. I mean, we used to do it on Fridays. We used to record Tuesday or Wednesday (laughs) and push it out Fridays. Um, If if you're going to commit to doing it, I will endeavor to get the, well, this is a rare Thursday recording, but I will endeavor to get the card done for you at the time. So... Uh, also, see, for the record, we'll I've never colonized shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this show is blasphemous. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to try. We're going to try to legit have it out sooner rather than later. Don't forget, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicks of the six at the spintune.com or toot us at the spintune. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Uh, but first, Al, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking Newberg Brewing Company's Bridge Boss, which is a collaboration with Industrial Arts. This is like, like a very two towers type of thing because yeah. one res- resides in the city of Beacon, the other, well, half of it resides in the city of. Sorry. <laughs> one of them, half of the brewery resides in the city of Beacon, the other one resides in the city of Newburgh. Um, they, they stare right across the, the bridge from each other, uh, which is cool. Nice. Um, this is brewed and canned at Newburgh Brewing oh. Company at 88 South Colden Street, Newburgh, New York. This got this heart. Here. <laughs> and half of it's a beer. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. We've had a few Newburghs. It's really, it's, that's a really great logo. It is. It's original, inventive. That. Never seen anything yeah. like it before. Um, this was. Um, the you see first this industrial the- arts logo has a smokestack and then these molecules make up the smoke coming out of that smokestack. And one of them's a hop and the other one is a microscope. And then there's like a beer and there's a, that, that beer, that thing. Yeah. And a fermenter and a, a scraper. I don't know. Or factory. One of those things looks like clear. One of those looks like the distilling like bell type of thing. The distilling what? Like a bell or a vessel, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a big, yeah. big circle, big yeah. sphere. Sphere, that's the word okay. I'm looking for. Sphere. It's we kick off our 2022 Boss Collab series <laughs> with our friends at Industrial Arts Brewing. They are fourth Boss Collab with us. From our brewery to theirs, you got across the Newburgh Beacon Bridge. Unless you plan on swimming across the Hudson River, think New York, drink New York. Um. Unless you plan on swimming across the Hudson River. <laughs> it's got an exclamation point at the end. It does. I think it's important. Uh, it's um, it's a berry double IPA. Literally a New England IPA with strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries. So that's what nice. the chunks you were drinking were. It also okay. explains the color, which yep. does have a 
light pinkish hue to it. Uh, I'm disappointed that you're not drinking your Newberg beer out of your Newberg glass. I am drinking my Newberg sure. beer out of my Newberg glass. Uh, um, in my defense, isn't the Newberg glass a pint glass? Yes. Somebody fucked up. Because this is just gonna it's gonna flow, it's gonna overflow. There's gonna be a little it's, bit. It's true. I didn't get every drop yeah. of yeah. of it into this one. It's eight percent. Talk to your people. <laughs> it's eight percent alcohol by volume. It come it came in a pint. Eighteen ounce the, pint glass. In the af- the aforementioned pint. Um so You gotta love the pint. I love I love this little robot dude. He's got a hop in his chest. He's holding a wrench. Yes. This is great. As as I, as I mean, you may know. The, two, the Clearies and the Lodges here. There's two great families coming together. <laughs> two great American families <laughs> coming together. <laughs> it's great. They have the the obviously the industrial arts uh, wrench series, you know. So yeah. it's uh it's nice. They got their their trademark hexagons on the the front as yep. as they have on all their beers. Love so, it. Uh, this is yeah. like a, the, the artwork on this can is actually a really really great collab artwork. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does I'm a great job a of synergizing the two brands. Plus, it's got Synergy. the actual. It's got the actual bridge in the background as well, atop the river. I don't, I don't know what is going on with the word "boss" though. It's like it was trying to be like those block letters, but somebody it's got a little, confused. It's it's, a, it's like when you're trying little, to do them for the first time. It's a little out of phase, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. You want to drink well, this beer? I'm ready to try this. Cheers! Cheers! Tinny, not nearly as chunky as it was before. I put it through the strainer. It definitely smells like berries. Oh, whipped cream or berries? Can you name that movie out? No, I cannot actually. It's forgetting Sarah Marshall. When he has the breakfast or whatever, the mm-hmm. oh, it's the the big guy who helps him, who yeah. has him come you kill the look pig like with him. a giant baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is nice. This isn't. Um, hmm. There's something really nice about all of that fruit and the and the little bit of bitterness. Like it's not, not nothing is overwhelming. It's refreshing. It's when you mm. take a sip with all that fruit, you kind of expect it to be like a sour, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind and of it. A definitely fun tricks you at the beginning, like because it definitely it definitely does taste almost like it's going to be that. Yes. Yeah, this is nice, slimy, yet satisfying. But satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, eight percent. This is nice. I I uh, I'm not sure where I stand on this one. I. I'm, I'm gonna go two thuckles just on account of I don't like the chunkiness, and you know I put what it was? the strainer. You know what it was? Is you poured the bottom? You shouldn't have poured it because I tried to top off a little bit of the beer. Oh uh, yeah, I got chunks. It's just the fruit yeah. sediment. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's it tastes delicious. It's just that the when all of that sediment gets in there, it throws the texture off something awful. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you right before you left. And then I talked shit into your ear about the beer and mm. about how you were going to be okay. You were like, if I get the scratchy throat thing, yeah. it's, I'm, it's, I'm just going to be done. It's going to be so, over. <laughs> that happened to me. There was one There was one episode we do. You probably I, – I don't remember which one it was, but there was a beer that had something very similar to this. And it was killing me. Like I kept muting and coughing. Yeah, that does sound familiar. But uh, – but this is delicious, though. So <laughs> uh, I'm glad you I, like it. I'm a fan. I mean, I'm always a fan. I'm always a fan of the Newberg beers you bring me. I'm always a fan of industrial arts. I I think I maybe only have like one that is like I wouldn't have again, and it was probably just because it was like a a triple or it was just too alcoholic-y. Like it was just it was too much from, from industrial arts. Yeah, it was too boozy. 
I don't remember. I know I've had a bunch was, of them, but it was up there. But they're for I mean, they're uh, they're solid. Yeah. Well, all around. Where where where, where are you vis a vis the thuckles? I think I'm gonna go two on this one. I, I like I like that right. this was a little bit of different uh, thing. It doesn't quite 100 percent live up to the standard of some of my most beloved Newburgh beers, but definitely a solid entry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right on. Good on you. How old is this one now? This one's probably more recent, <laughs> you bastard. It's probably about a year. Oh, yeah, one year. <laughs> it says it right there. On the, it actually says on the bottom of the can, one year old. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> Someday in the future. <laughs> so I was going to I was, you know, I used to be, it used to be a joke that I appreciated. You're an asshole. It used to be a joke that I appreciated where it was like, oh, one day Elon Musk will do X. And before you just did the, the, the Lion King joke, and it reminded me, I heard someone was complaining um, on one of the shows I was listening to in the last couple of days about uh, like the fact that like Twitter, you know, when you went on Twitter, you used to be able to see the tweets that the people you follow tweet and like you can't anymore and like you have to actively like get to the following tab yeah and uh that person referenced a joke that's been going around on twitter the last few days that um that elon musk is scar from lion king where you know when scar takes over pride rock and it immediately falls apart and no one who's still there wants to be there but they also can't leave and even he hates it but like he's got it now like he got control the way he wanted to but he doesn't want it but he has it and like that's what twitter and elon is it's it's scar and pride rock <laughs> <laughs> i've got a lovely bunch of coconuts <laughs> it's true i mean that's a that's a really good description um yeah i've i i'm not on there anymore it's i'm, I'm gone uh i only I I get the links that you sent me yeah i was trying to tell you forever man he's just uh he's not he's he's a charlatan that's what he is and he always he's what a charlatan mm. yeah uh it's just you get on get on the mastodon what well, uh, to this point what I am on Twitter for is still what I always started being on Twitter for. It's an invaluable tool for a sports fan. It is hmm. uh, even They'll through all the bullshit and it definitely makes it worse the way all the bullshit that's gone on the last six months, but sure. it still is a valuable resource to keep track of like all of the reporting and conversation surrounding teams and leagues that you're a fan of. It's a fantastic resource for sports fans. Sure. Sure. They'll move. They'll move eventually. Hopefully. Yeah, but until that point, you know, I'm still going to be... Like, I mean, I, I don't... already have. I, I never was a big person to, like, do actual tweets myself, so... I don't, I don't I, do Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I use it as, like, what, basically what, like, a web slice gallery was 15 years ago. Like, that's what Twitter is for me, but it's just a cultivated feed of sports news that I seek out. And, you know, sports entertainment, because I... I a lot of what I bring for news and nuggets on the show, I've culled from Twitter sources, you know, sure. and like a, a lot of the funny, stupid things, including one of the ones we're going to do in five minutes comes from there. So speaking of, I think it's time to get into some news and nuggets. I, well, you might as well start off with super pig because I assume. Yeah. That, that one came from Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Faithful listeners of the podcast and Anthony, who co-hosts this podcast with me, hopefully you'll recall. Recall sometime last year we did a story about um, 
about hogs in Italy. Remember in an Italian city? I do. Okay. I don't remember the specifics. You don't have to. Just remember they've been getting out of hand. Yeah, it's just, you know, just aggressive pigs getting out of hand. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. This is coming back to it. So, this was a story on The Guardian from... When are you from? Monday, February 20th, 2023. Incredibly intelligent, highly elusive, U.S. faces new threat from Canadian super pig. (laughs) Northern states... Highly elusive. Yes. Super pig. Northern states on alert for invasion of crossbred pig that threatens flora and fauna, and it is difficult to stop. (laughs) For decades... Wild pigs have been antagonizing flora and fauna in the U.S., gobbling up crops, spreading disease, and even killing deer and elk. Now, as fears over the potential of the pig impact in the U.S. grow, North America is also facing a new swine-related threat as a Canadian super pig, a giant, incredibly intelligent, highly elusive beast capable of surviving cold climates by tunneling under snow. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You gotta let me finish sentences, man. No, 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 no. Pause, pause, right there, because... Was the highly elusive part of the subtitle before, or yes. was that part? Of, okay, all right. I don't know. I don't have what you have in front of me, so I'm a little concerned to, do you want that me to this whole to you, thing so is re- written by AI. <laughs> do you want me to send it to you so you can follow along? Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I put it over there. Oh God! Incredibly intelligent, highly. All right. Continue. Okay. A beast capable of surviving cold climates by tunneling under snow is poised to infiltrate the north of the country. The emergence of the so-called super pig, a result of crossbreeding domestic pigs with wild boars, only adds to the problems the U.S. faces from the swine invasion. Pigs are not native to the U.S., but have wrought havoc in recent decades. The government estimates the country's approximately 6 million wild or feral pigs cause $1.5 billion of damage each year. In parts of the country, the pig's prevalence has sparked the whole hog hunting industry, where people pay thousands of dollars to mow down boar and sow with machine guns. But overall, the impact of the pigs, first introduced to the U.S. in the 16th century, has very much been a negative, as the undiscerning swine has chopped its way across the country. This, 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 this writing is too much. <laughs> it's fantastic, which is why I'm trying to give it my best, like, serious newscaster voice. We see direct competition for our native species for food said Michael Marlowe, Assistant Program Manager for the Department of Agriculture's National Feral Swine Damage Management Program. That shouldn't be (laughs) a department. (laughs) Well, you could say that, or you could say, oh God, it's worse than we thought that the department of such a name exists. Ron Swanson would be appalled. (laughs) (laughs) Pigs are also accomplished predators. They'll opportunistically come upon a hidden animal and the males have long tusks. So they're very capable of running and grabbing one with their mouth. They'll kill young fawns. They're known to be able to nest predators. So they impact turkeys and potentially quail. The wild pigs are also responsible for a laundry list of environmental damages, ranging from eating innocent farmers crops to destroying trees and polluting water. They also pose a human health and safety risk. A pig is a mixing vessel. Capable of carrying viruses. I don't viruses, like that phrase. <laughs> capable of carrying viruses such as flu, which are transmittable to humans. National Geographic reported that pigs have the potential to create a novel influenza virus, which could spread to humankind. Did the first record of, of wasn't there a swine yes, swine flu was a thing fifteen years ago. Yeah, I think Kim um, had that. 
I was lucky to escape it. We, uh, it, it was like between the end of my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. Like yeah. that whole year, it was pretty prevalent. The first record of pigs in the continental U.S. was in 1539 when the Spanish explorer Hernando de Soto landed in Florida with an entourage which included 13 swine. During the four-year if, expedition... If they were brought here in 1539, at what point did they become native? Never. They were never native. They were invasive. <laughs> they were brought here. During the four-year... I four think they, year, they've earned their place. Well, too much place, maybe. Sure. During the four-year expedition, which saw DeSoto order the slaughter of thousands of Native Americans, declare himself, quote, an immortal, another quote, son of the sun, close all quotes, and then die of a fever, the number of pigs grew to about 700, spread across what is now the southeastern U.S. What? What is that? Hang on. I lost the thread on that paragraph. <laughs> well, you've got it. You, do you want me to read it again? Or no, would you no, like no, to read? I'm good. You keep going. Okay. Yeah, he, he had a god complex. Literally, he thought he was the son yeah. of the sun. Sure. Um, he was the and one looking for the son of the sun. He was the one he looking for the lost. Yes, he was one of the ones looking for the lost city of gold in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> but it's only relatively recently that the pigs have become a problem. They lived a benign existence up until you know probably three or four decades ago, where we started seeing these rapid excursions in areas <laughs> we hadn't seen before. <laughs> Primarily, that was the cause of intentional releases of swine by people who wanted to develop hunting populations. They were drugged and moved around, not always legally, and dropped in areas to allow the populations to develop. And so that's where we saw this rapid increase. The number of pigs in the U.S. has grown to more than 6 million in some 34 states. The pigs weigh between 75 and 250 pounds on average, but can weigh in twice as large as that, according to the USDA. At three feet tall and five feet long, they are a considerable foe. Just give me something for the pain and let me die. <laughs> Marlowe said his team had managed to eradicate pigs in seven states over the past decade, but with little realistic hope of getting rid of the swine completely. There are also fears over the potential impact of pig-borne disease, particularly African swine fever. The I disease is always our new swine overlords. <laughs> That's the way we're headed. The disease is always fatal to pigs. It was already China, one in the White House. The disease is always fatal to pigs. (laughs) And in China, which is home to more than 400 million pigs, half of the world's pig population, African swine fever wiped out more than 30% of the pig population in 2018 and 2019. That's a devastating amount. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Um, African swine fever has presented in Europe, too, but Marlowe said it had not yet been detected in the Americas. That's something that Ryan Brook, who leads the University of Saskatchewan's Canadian Wild Pig Research Project, hopes to maintain. And Canada... Uh. <laughs> In Canada... That's a like daily a, thing? Like, the, your job, like, you are... Your research... Like, this is what you do. Yes. Oof. In Canada, like in the U.S., wild pigs are a relatively recent problem. Up until 2002... There was barely any wild pigs in the country, but Brooks said that the population has exploded in the past eight years. The animals are now spread across one million square kilometers of Canada, predominantly in Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. Wild pigs are easily the worst invasive large mammal on the planet. They're incredibly intelligent, they're highly elusive, and also when oh my god. Any... <laughs> and also when there's any pressure on them, especially if people start hunting them, they become almost completely nocturnal. They become very elusive. 
I swear to God. Like, what? <laughs> they hide in heavy much. forest cover and they disappear into wetlands and they can be very hard to locate. Which I just picturing one of them fling. backing slowly into the bush. <laughs> <laughs> like Homer and the Simpsons. Yeah. Brooke and but others it's also are... got camo across its eyes like Arnold and Commando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Brooke and others are particularly troubled by the emergence of a, quote, super pig. Created by farmers crossbreeding wild boar and domestic pigs in the 1980s. The result was a larger swine, which produced more meat. It was easier for people to shoot in Canadian hunting reserves. These pigs escaped captivity and swiftly spread across Canada, with the super pig proving to be an incredibly proficient breeder. This is it, Al. This is the article. Because everybody's worried about machines and AI. And here we are, learning that since the 80s... We've been super breeding pigs. <laughs> they're just going to kill us all. We're all going to be staring at the computer and they're just going to come out of the woodworm. No, wait, Sorry, they're going to come out of the woodworm. <laughs> it's giant size. One pig has been clocked at more than 300 kilograms, 660 pounds. Makes it able to survive the frigid western Canada winters where the wind chill can be negative 50 degrees Celsius. Don't you clock something... As a time measurement? Typically, although clocked has become a more generic term for any measurement sometimes, yes. Yeah, that seems like a mistake. All the experts said at that time, well, no worries if a wild pig or wild boar ever escaped from the farm, there's no way it could survive a Western Canadian winter. It would just freeze to death. Well, it turns out that being big is a huge advantage to surviving in the cold. <laughs> uh, I'm exhibit A of that. The pigs survive extreme weather by tunneling up to two meters under snow creating a snow cave. They'll use their razor-sharp tusks to cut down cattails and line the bottom of the cave with cattails as a nice, warm, insulating layer. And in fact, they're so warm inside that one of the ways we used to find these pigs is to fly first thing in the morning when it's really cold, colder than negative 30 degrees. You'll actually see steam just pouring out of the top of the snow. This is terrifying. Given the damages that the pigs have wrought, a range of attempts have been made to get rid of them. Scientists and researchers in the U.S. and Canada have had some success with catching whole sounders of pigs in big traps. While in the U.S., attempts have been made, sometimes unsuccessfully, at poisoning wild pigs. One method that has worked in the U.S. is the use of a Judas pig. A lone pig is captured and fitted with a GPS collar and then released into the wild, where hopefully it will join a group of unsuspecting swine. The idea is that you go and find that collared animal, remove any pigs that are with it in an ideal world, then let it go again, and it will continue to find more and more pigs. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're going to name something the Judas pig, things aren't great. Yeah. Brooks said a variety of methods are required to tackle the pig problem, but the efforts are more about managing the damage caused by these non-native mammals, rather than getting rid of the pigs completely. In Canada, that chance is gone. Probably as late as maybe as 2010 to 2012, there was probably a reasonable chance of finding and removing them. But now they're so widespread and abundant that certainly as late as 2018 or 19, I stopped seeing that eradication. Pigs are going to drive the Canadians out. This is insane. Possible. They're just so established. They definitively moved. Sorry, they've definitely moved in and they're here to stay. (laughs) Wow. That is a. That's a bit. This is from the Guardian's Swan correspondent, I imagine. Yeah, um, Swine Correspondent Chief, yeah. <laughs> Chief, Chief Swine Correspondent on the scene. <laughs> it's, it appears the Judas Pig has alerted the other swine to our plan. 
<laughs> senior <our> swine <laughs> senior swine correspondent. <laughs> that is intense. I, I gotta say, I did not expect to start today off with um, this much in, this much information. Well, there's more um, an addendum an addendum to this story. So, of course, there is. Do you remember in the before times of Twitter? Uh, I'm hearkening back to the summer of 2019. Now, I don't have any interest in getting into a political or sociological debate about guns. I'm just going to read a tweet about sure. guns and gun control. Sure. And the follow-up tweet, which became a legendary viral tweet. So the first tweet was from Jason Isbell, who is a country singer. And it says, if you're on here arguing the definition of, quote, assault weapon today, you're part of the problem. This was after one of the big mass shootings. I don't remember which one, and that's part of the problem. You know what an assault weapon is, and you know you don't need one. Response to that from Willie McNabb was, legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids... This guy knew! (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that tweet? Were you still on Twitter when that one went viral? Because that was a whole... That I remember when this one went viral. Like sometimes you like yeah. become aware of one that becomes like kind of re-viral or that's become a mm-hmm. meme. I remember this happening in real time. <laughs> fucking hysterical. The amount of thirty to fifty feral hogs jokes that was going on in like just the daily discourse after this tweet. Oh my gosh, that is absurd. I, I can't. This that's just this is too much information on pigs <laughs> in one sitting. I, the more you learn. I mean, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. There's so many there so many dangers. The night is dark and full of terrors. And pigs. <laughs> They're the terrors. Well, I'm just saying that the terrors are not exclusively pig related, but they're certainly one of them. Maybe chief among them. I always you know, Elio loves when you do the little piggies, but now I'm gonna have to tell him the truth. This this little piggy's a super pig and it's gonna murder you. Is that what you is <laughs> Is, so wait, don't you when you do the little piggies don't you start with the big toe and work to the pinky yeah that's what we're gonna have to do for modern society we're gonna have to start with the pinky and end with the the, the big toe no the first this pinky little is piggy big, and he leads you to the other foot <laughs> and oh, jesus christ this is gonna get dystopic and terrifying <laughs> and this little piggy isn't a little piggy at all it's a super pig <laughs> and it's coming to kick you and your children <laughs> And then we lead right into Ring Around the Rosie. Which is about the plague. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just all the horrible things we do with children. Oh my goodness. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. It's about a supernova that destroyed an advanced civilization of... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So today... um, We we brought Elio to a uh, a nursery school for a, a single half day. We were thinking about doing it one one day a week just to give him something different to do, and uh, <laughs> did not realize the live feed that I was going to be getting through their app of like pictures of him doing things slash enjoying things slash probably just finished crying <laughs> and. So you know, there's a couple of pictures. I was like, oh, this is really cool. It's like, oh, snack. Oh, cool. He's having a little snack. And it's like a picture of him playing in the ball pit. Then playing. And then it just says 1108. <laughs> Diaper change. BM. <laughs> oh, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's next level. It's having somebody else document. That's like having somebody else run your social media feed 
<laughs> it's, just, it's like having just a constant documentary crew around you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, man. I can't wait to teach him about the Judas pig tomorrow. <laughs> it's, sorry, it might be. We're going to start off our day. It might be. It may be too early for him. He's what is he? Eighteen months old. Like it's. It's a bit too early for for the Judas pig. <laughs> he's like, he's like, a few years later. He's on the playground with his friends. Yo, you know about these super pigs? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, get out of here, kid. <laughs> Well, between you and, and me, um, he's going to have a lot of information for the playground on a daily basis that, like, he's, he's going to be, like, the cool nerd kid who's got, like, the cool fun <laughs> facts. You see, their logo is a heart. A heart. <laughs> you get a call oh, from man. school. Uh, your son was talking about alcohol on the playground. He's eight years old. <laughs> yes. It's, which one was it? Newberg? Yeah, <laughs> was it Berg? Yes, <laughs> it's a it's it's a heart. You he see, didn't talk about the pigs, did he? <laughs> he was talking about beer on the playground. Well, at least he's finally moved on from the pigs to beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, well, let's move on to Disney restraint and Star Wars movie rumblings. Okay, so this I had to do some digging. To get to this story, there has Do been a whole bunch of. Do it. Well, they're capable. They're sharp tusks. They're highly intelligent yeah. and highly elusive. Um, the uh, <laughs> there was a bunch of rumblings among some of like the tertiary like nerd trades online about s- news on a Star Wars movie. Okay. Which, considering we just talked a couple of weeks ago, I went on a impassioned plea for Star Wars to start making movies again. It's like, oh, okay, this is something we need to do on the show. But it was all very vague. What's that? One of our 14 listeners is in charge of Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was like, let me find out what this is all about. It was kind of vague. And it all seemed to be pointing to other stories. So I kept going through and I found the original article from a couple weeks ago, February 16th. It was on The Hollywood Reporter. How much is too much Marvel and Star Wars? Disney rethinks franchise output. As Disney chief Bob Iger pledges to be, quote, better at curating releases, fiscal discipline may impact an expansive Disney Plus original slate. Call it a franchise recession. After years of Marvel and Star Wars movies and shows inundating screens big and small, Disney is putting the brakes on the output of some of its biggest franchises and brands following Bob Iger's February 8th comments that the company needs to be, quote, better at curating franchise content. That's extraordinarily expensive. We want the quality on the screen, but we have to look at what they cost us. The directive to rein in cost and output arrives at as Disney prepares to release Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on February 17th as The Mandalorian Season 3 awaits its March 1st Disney Plus debut. Marvel is Disney's most important supplier of product, a subsidiary with the highest output, and under Iger's directive, it could feel cuts the soonest. There's going to be a level of rigor on Marvel and across the entire company. Numbers matter now, and costs are going to be outlined and enforced. In what feels like a different timeline ago, at July's San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel chief Kevin Feige put the pedal to the metal when he outlined five Disney Plus shows for 2023. What If Season 2, Echo, Loki Season 2, Ironheart, and Agatha Coven of Chaos. Now, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Loki Season 2 and the Samuel L. Jackson-led Secret Invasion are the only short bits to debut this year. Even projects that wrapped months ago, 
such as the Hawkeye spinoff Echo and Wakanda Forever spinoff Ironheart, are unlikely to arrive in 2023 as the studio spreads out its content and tinkers in post-production. And shows in development, such as Nova, are now on a slower path. As a point of comparison, during its Phase 4, Marvel Studios released a breakneck 18 projects across the theatrical and streaming... Sorry, across theatrical and streaming. Four films and five TV shows in 2021, three films and three TV shows in 2022, plus a few specials. The studio just released 11 projects from Phase 3, which ran from 2016 to 2019. Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige echoed the new direction. The pace at which we're putting out the Disney Plus shows will change. Feige told Entertainment Weekly in an interview published this week, noting that there will be fewer shows and that they will be more spaced out. Star Wars is facing the opposite challenge. After being absent from the big screen since 2019, and having had false starts with Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron, which may never materialize, Disney has ramped up its efforts to return the franchise to theaters. Damon Lindelof led a writer's room in July to hash out a story for a feature, and Taika Waititi is still developing his own take on the franchise. Disney is expected to unveil film plans at Star Wars Celebration set for April in London. On top of Season 3 of Mandalorian, shows expected to hit the streaming service this year include Ahsoka, starring Rosario Dawson, and the John Watts-produced Skeleton Crew. Lucasfilm may ramp up, but it will have to abide by the same fiscal discipline as the rest of the company. So, a brief pause here. This is the paragraph, and what follows after here, that seems to have spawned all of this talk about Star Wars movies and a presumed announcement or affirmation of what's in the works uh, sure. that like that's Star Wars celebration is going to be about six weeks away. It looks like. Yeah. <clears throat> Observers are calling it a massive correction from only a few years ago when the entertainment industry was hell bent on giving consumers endless amounts to watch spending endlessly in doing so. You can have 10 mediocre shows or you can have five great shows says one agency partner whose clients work on the franchise plays. People will stay. Will start, people will still stay on Disney Plus. On the animation front, 2022 was a tough one for Disney, which saw Pixar's Lightyear underperform and Disney Animation's Strange World outright bomb. Pause for one second. I yes. put on Lightyear because I was like, "Oh, let me put on something different." Uh, Elio was like a little bit under the weather and he was kind of mushy, so we were sitting on the couch and we were watching something. I, I I'm pretty sure I was crying five minutes into the movie, and then and then like multiple times after. It's it's actually really good. I mean, I heard that it was reviewed well. I, I know that the financial numbers weren't what was expected, but I didn't really hear anyone say it was bad. Yeah. So. Anyway, nothing, nothing to add towards the story. Just saying. No, it's, it's a good parent. You should though. probably do that one. That was a good one. Iger announced three new sequels to $1 billion brands. Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. Disney insiders have acknowledged recent box office woes were exacerbated by confusion in the marketplace from families who were trained during the pandemic just to wait for animated features to end up on Disney+. There's talk of longer theatrical windows for Elemental, out June 16th, and Disney Animation's Wish, November 22nd, in hopes of luring families back to theaters. The pullback on Disney Plus is coming amid an industry-wide shift to rethinking the best way to achieve profitability in streaming, as one producer working on multiple projects around town. Every studio and streamer is being forced to behave fiscally responsibly. All of this means nothing to me. <laughs> okay. Ultimately, like... They can change. They'll. They might change course like sixteen times before a movie comes out. It doesn't. It, it literally like it means nothing. Yeah. Um. It's just a lot of words. Well, no. I mean, it's important to. We've t- 
talked about there being an absolute avalanche of mm-hmm. content the last couple of years. I appreciate this approach. I actually think that it's better for me because I yeah. can't I one I can't keep up with it. Yeah. The way that it's currently falling down. And two, I sometimes I'm just like, eh, I don't really want to watch the thing because I have already like I've, you know, unwittingly made a judgment call about how good it's gonna be. But if they want to slow it down and release quality stuff, like hell yeah, go for it. Like, dude, which is whatever. Something we've I want. Good, I want good Star Wars and good Marvel things. I don't. I don't. I don't care how often I get them. Like, it really doesn't matter. Like, I have. It was. It was nice to. It was nice to go from having one thing a year to having two mm-hmm. or three or four things a year, and that was just when it was movies. When mm-hmm. it became three or four movies a year plus three or four shows a year, it becomes a lot harder. It doesn't yep, have to be that sure. much, but it also shouldn't go back to what it was. Like they've no, no, nice, but you know, like all, like just land somewhere in the middle and we'll be good. Like one to two series a year, I think is fine. Also, like they finally been there's been people like going into investigating the last six months or twelve months about why some of these big tentpole things, not just the TV stuff, but that too, but some even the big movies. Like why is the CGI bad? Although I think that that's being used. Um, somewhat incorrectly, it's I haven't found the experience to be across the board that CGI is bad, but to me, it's noticeable that it's inconsistent across a project. And because yeah, like there's some movies where it looks, I think it looks great, and yeah. then someone will nitpick one specific scene. And it's like okay, yeah, no, you're right, like that didn't look great, but like still like eighty or ninety percent of it looked great throughout the course of the movie, and. I, this is the, the for the longest time Disney and, and the other ones, but Disney is the big one considering they've got Marvel and Star Wars and all that. Like, um, they were like, uh, no, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, we the CGI is fine. It looks pretty good. Like, there's finally been like an acknowledgement. Like, uh, we had to rush some things because of the constraints that making a movie in the pandemic yeah. like put upon us. And so like, it's good that they're finally acknowledging it. It would have been better if they would have acknowledged it on the front end. And yeah, just, just like, like be straight up about it. It's just yeah, like how, how after all of this time are people still not understanding? Like it's not the end of the world to get something wrong. And when you do, you, it's not even about like making excuses. Just, just come out and say, Hey, listen, we were trying to hit this benchmark. We thought we could get it done properly. We didn't. We're sorry. We we still think most of it's pretty good, but we we it didn't come out to be the to the level of standard that we wished. We we're going to try and do better. Like that's not the end of the world. If you phrase it that way, instead of no, it's fine, shut up, or mm-hmm. like yeah, heads are going to roll. This is terrible. This is an abomination. We're we we're falling on our swords, and it's like it doesn't have to be that dramatic. Yeah, no, for for sure. It's it's funny. Like this is like one of those things where like quote unquote like AI tooling would will come in handy in the future i think is like ultimately like you can over time they'll be able to create something of such high quality like in a few of the scenes and like then kind of extrapolate that to the rest of the movie like that's what this type of machine learning type stuff can will will likely do really well and it's not one of those things like oh it's going to remove graphic design a job no it's just going to make them it's going to allow them to put out high quality at the clip that they want to which yeah, means seven that fingers those at a time. move on to the next project. What did you say? I said, yeah, seven fingers at a time. <laughs> Have you not seen this phenomenon online? Have I not sent you any of these? No. I figured this might be a topic that you would read up on, but I guess... So this is the thing that you lose not being on Twitter. Is like 
you will come across some of these things. So this whole AI, forget about like, because what you're talking about is boosting, right? Like you're talking about boosting yeah. the work of people with not crea- AI. Not creation, like using yeah. it as a tool. You're talking about supplementing the work with yep. AI, which you're right. That is mm-hmm. that is the best possible outcome. No matter what field you're talking about, having mm-hmm. AI as a partner to a person is what yep. is going to lead to the best most useful results. But so there, you know, people are playing with all these, like the chatbot, different things. I don't know if you've seen any yeah. of that where people mm-hmm. are like write a prompt and it does research and it comes up with like a house style and all that. And it can, it can, it's, some of it's pretty great. Some of it's really terrible. Um, yeah. And so people have been playing around with AI generated art. And I'm not just talking about the stupid fucking bored apes and all that bullshit. I'm talking about like actual real, like trying to generate actual images. And some of them, there's aspects of it that look pretty incredible. Like sometimes it almost looks exactly like a real person, but the problem is um, with the current level of learning and technology and capability of AI, um, they can make a lot of times faces that look pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hands are often like totally deformed or have entirely too many fingers. That makes perfect sense to me on account of a hand is usually holding the phone while the person is taking the selfie, of which there are like bazillion selfies online that the AI can consume and then but there's also out how to do it, right? There's also so many pictures that is like a picture of someone holding a camera and like taking a picture of people in which they only have five fingers. <laughs> and like, to be fair, there's like a tenth of a percent of people in the world who have like six fingers on a hand. Like, this it does is... happen from time to time, but like, like it's not very common. My name is Inigo Monta. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's actually been a, like an undercurrent meme amongst sure. all of this. Absolutely, um, I'm sure there's Antonio Alfonseca jokes as well. He was a baseball player who had six fingers, um, but like it's become a really common thing. Where like I remember seeing a picture a few months ago, and it looked like it looked like a picture someone took of all of their friends at, like at a party, like at a house party. Yeah. It looked super realistic, and then you realize there's like this really attractive girl holding like a drink and she's got eight fingers on her hand. Amazing. And it's like, it looks like a those, hand. The computer's like, those are phalanges. <laughs> yeah. No, what it looked like was you remember the joke from Bruce almighty when Jim Carrey's holding his fingers behind his hand to test yeah. that God could guess how many fingers. And he goes, he, he puts up like 10 fingers and then closes three of them right before he, God guesses. And he goes, seven, uh, like whatever it was like seven. And he goes, Oh, sorry, he had seven, and then he closed it, so he had five. And he goes, seven, he goes, ha-ha, and he sticks his hand out with five fingers, but he just two full fingers to the side of it. That's what the AI is doing for some reason. And so everyone had a laugh at all of those pictures that were coming out. And then, like, a month ago, there was some major, like, protest or something going on in Paris, I think. And there was this pictures that started circulating, and it was of Parisian riot police in gear, that it fired tear gas into the crowd and it was like a focused picture with the, the, the smoke behind and mm-hmm. this girl embracing the cop and like leaning against them for support and the cop looking like they were supporting them. But the cop's hand had seven fingers on his hand. Got him. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, guys, like thankfully we're still at the stage where you can figure out what's real and what's not because like a hundred percent of the time they keep getting the hands wrong. That, you know, it's incredible to me. Like, I, I could see, I feel like I could see the leap and why it's such a thing. Like, I imagine that it's analyzing all of this content. It's seeing, mo- like, it understands the concept of fingers, 
but whether it's obstructed <laughs> by... Sorry. No, hang on a second. Can we stop with that sentence for a second? It understands the concept of fingers. <laughs> well, then, then imagine this, though. Like, in however many, however many like, photos or how many pieces of content that it analyzes and it see like, there could be, like, an obstructed finger or, like, a turned-in finger where it... it recognizes it as not there or even somebody that doesn't have five fingers or sure but it's also super easy to to program a computer with like the baseline knowledge that hands have five fingers that i i would argue that it's probably not (laughs) and and also the the computer is just like fingers it's like hand got it fingers got it variability nailed it (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying they keep giving one nose and two eyes and one mouth to all sure. these pictures. You don't sure. see occasionally a cyclops or a triclops. Like, cause if you saw that, it's like, okay, I see what's happening here. Sometimes there's a picture where someone's in profile and you only see the one eye. Yeah. So sometimes the computer thinks there's only one eye on a person, you know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it understands the concepts of fingers. <laughs> Does it though? It puts the lotion Does on it? its skin. Does it though? <laughs> 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 get the digits the digits that come out of the paw thing <laughs> oh digits means 10 right how many did... <laughs> well, you know, there's 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 two hands when it's analyzing so most of the time it's <laughs> yeah 10 fingers. fingers and then in half the picture is only one hand so it just it's just took an average <laughs> exactly oh a person has 10 fingers 10 digits got it how many hands? Doesn't matter. Ten fingers. Ten fingers. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I like. I do. There's a good amount of time that I do spend. Like I've seen a number of things that have been generated that are that are like it is funny too. But I I definitely like I definitely analyze it and try to think like okay what why did this happen. Like, or like, what are the things, and like, it's, it is fun to think about, like, what are the, like, because you could, I feel like you really could draw an understanding of like, okay, maybe very loose, but these are the steps that I could take to get to what you, what I see here. I have context. I am a person. (laughs) I know many people. (laughs) I understand the concept of figures. (laughs) We tell the chat thing to try. To draw the most powerful being, super pig, <laughs> super pig, ten fingers. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're gonna need to. Get oh, it's just counts. It's the pig from credits. It's the pig from from Family Guy when when Stewie genetically engineers the pig and it's walking on his knuckles. It's got fists. I, no, I, if I'm gonna ask it to draw anything, I want I want it to draw me Judas pig. Ah. <sighs> It's that you know it's going to be a bunch of pigs in the Last Supper. It's going to be. <laughs> I was no. I'm just picturing Super Pig with its ten fingers clutching thirty pieces of silver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that oh God. Do you remember? Do you remember that old Robin Williams on Broadway stand up? I don't know his stand up too well now. He does the whole this whole I don't I think I'll share it with you. But he does this whole this whole bit about the Last Supper. Um, he does a joke about it all being on one side of the table. Very very history of the world. But yeah. um, <laughs> he's like, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And Peter was like, was it me, Jesus? And he's like, no, Peter, it wasn't you. <laughs> Somebody else is like, was it me, Jesus? No, Jesus wasn't. 
And Judas was like, is it going to be me, Jesus? Is it me, Jesus? <laughs> so good. Um, that he he goes places in that stand up. Like he it's I mean, he is high on something and he's all over the place. But it is um, I have never seen a human being sweat more in my life, which I assume means that it was likely cocaine. Uh, <laughs> Probably. I mean, considering oh some of some of his acts, how fast he would go, or like yeah. or his performances, how fast he would go. I mean, yeah, cocaine seems like a safe assumption. It's uh, if you haven't seen it, slash not, or, uh, don't really recall it. It's probably worth it's worth your time one of these days. All right. Um, so Disney a, and Star Wars. It's a lot of stuff. There. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm with you on the whole. You know, let's get Star Wars back in theaters. But yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to to see if we, this uh, report comes to any fruition that maybe we'll get a little bit of clarity on that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Even if we just get a like a, a general like plot outline of something. Well, how, how about this? Announce a cast to a movie. Yeah. Announce that the Damon Lindelof movie has secured these five actors and actresses who are going to be in it and we're keeping the plot under wraps because we want to really excite you guys next year when we've gone into pre-production like okay fine i'm here i'm here for it uh cool what do you say we get into some consumption sure that's it for your news right yeah yeah all right well uh i'm I'm gonna kick us off okay i I don't know if i've talked to you about this i started playing this game it's called Vampire Survivors. <laughs> I've never heard of that in my life. It's, <laughs> it's good. Uh, but realistically, my my Vampire Survivors update. Um, every time I play a run of this game, I find out new things about it, and that's what keeps me going back to it. Like it'll be like, oh, I found out you can do these new combinations. Ooh, I wonder if I combine these things. How far I can get. How many things can I kill before the time runs out? Can I kill that thing that comes to get you when the time runs out? The answer is yes. Nice. And then, so I killed death, which was very exciting. And then the game does some really weird stuff. It like, well, I don't think you've ever mentioned the fact that you had a friend who was able to stop death, right? Yeah. So he stopped them. I then I stopped them. Nice. Uh, but so, what is it? Define does some weird stuff. Okay. So let me start with the one that I experienced before this, which was the level had a 30 minute cap on it. It said, but death doesn't come for you in this level. And I didn't really understand why, but I, I was so powerful that the things were getting crazier and crazier on screen and they just couldn't get near me. Would would you say that you became so powerful that you could even stop the ones you loved from dying? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, Eventually, it gets so wonky that the the screen starts doing this like really weird warping effect. I'm like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, it goes black, and then it flashes back on. And now I'm in like a an actual like structured level that is like has a place to go. And I'm like, this is weird. And I try to make my way through it, and there's an arrow pointing to telling me where to go. I'm like, what is like, what is this? Like, this is not this is nothing like anything I've played in this game before. Like, what is going on? And then I died because I just didn't like it starts you off with a few weapons slash power ups that were just not nearly enough for me to get through it. And I died and I got back to the main menu. I was like, what just happened? 
I kind of want to do that again. So I was getting all set to grab my character and go back into the level and try to see if I could create that much chaos again that I get teleported into this new place. But then I go to the menu and <laughs> there's a level there that says, hey, are you seeing this? I don't think this is supposed to be here. And it's the level that I was just in. <laughs> wow. So then I like found a build for that and I played through it and I, I, I beat that and I unlocked something at the end of it and then the level disappeared again. It's just like the game has so many funky little secrets that like, I don't know. It's just, it's just really cool. And anyway, so that is cool. Uh, like that. There aren't a lot of games that do that sort of thing now, which I understand because like sure. the amount of resources they have to pour into building these things. Like it, it is incredible. Like as much as I, and maybe to a slightly lesser extent than some of the people who are really hardcore games, but like I'm a, somewhat a, with them where it's like, these development cycles are so insanely long and you guys make these promises like to the moon and, and beyond. And you don't even make it like beyond the levels of mountains. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you're going to have a seven year development cycle and promise us like this incredible shit, like don't give us dog shit. Like, right. But I, I am sympathetic too, to the fact that like what it takes, like, yeah, like the tools that they have are more powerful than you could possibly have imagined 30 years ago. But with great power comes great responsibility and great amounts of fucking work to get it to do something incredible in like a real way that matters. So like I get the like the the double edged sword that that is and why you can't do cool, fun little niche things like this. But it's cool when someone can execute that because a game like that could be repetitive and boring after a certain amount of time. So to have enough curveballs to keep you coming back after the first like 90 minutes is, is pretty cool. So yeah, and it's and it's there's always something new. There's like so far, I, I haven't hit a point where I'm like I'm done with this game. It's like I'm like, it's like okay, next time I come back, I'm gonna try this thing, and like and then all of a sudden I'll unlock something. Like, oh okay, well, cool. Next time I come back, I guess I'm gonna go after that thing that I just unlocked. But there, so it got to the point where I was like I was in this level called <laughs> the Bone Zone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of. Stuff. Hey, listen, vampires have always been sex symbols, so it's fun. I I think that's which level it is, but like it starts off and on like I've I've gone through the game a bunch of times, like different things that have unlocked. So now, when I start a level, if there are secret things on the level or like specials on the level, there's arrows indicating where they are and what they are, which is kind of cool because now I'm not playing a guessing game because I've unlocked all these things, right? But I was like, there is these four items that I had never seen before. And they clearly mirrored each other. So I was like, oh, I'm guessing I need both of them for something. They're really far away from each other. Ultimately figured out that one pairs, two of them pair with one thing and the other two pair with another thing. So I made sure that I had the appropriate equipment to get those things. Or I I was trying to make sure that I had the appropriate equipment to get those things so that I could level them up. Uh, Didn't make it the first round. My buddy, he did it and he got through it. He sent me a pic. uh, he, He sent me a text after he got it done. And he was the first person to kill death. So I was like, well, I'm going back in. So you go back in and I figured this out. I finally, get, I, I manage things a little bit better this time. I get all of this equipment. So a combination of two of them with one of the weapons gave me a, uh, a sort of cloak that my character can wear. And it basically, it made it so that any incoming damage from any level enemy was limited to 10. Okay. Enemies couldn't do more than 10 damage. It's like, wow, that's actually pretty significant. And it got me thinking when I read that, I was like, oh, even death <laughs> at the end? Sure, it turns out, yes, even death can only do 10 damage at a time. So I was like, okay, that's cool. 
Then the other thing allows you to I, like Im- improves the power of this thing that can freeze stuff. So by the time I get to the low, I'm so overpowered. By the time I get to the end and death comes to get me, I'm shooting out these rays that freeze things just all over the place. So death comes and it's like, ah, and it's just frozen and carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just keep attacking it until it, it dies. Uh, I I did know this in advance because my buddy had already done it, but you start to you get close to killing the first one and the second one comes and it's like, surely this one will kill you. <laughs> and no, killed that one too. So wow. then the game was like goes like wee wee and it just like starts like zooming in on you and everything disappears and your character is getting bigger because it's like this two D game and your character is really small on the screen. Yeah. It's zooming in and zooming in and zooming in and there's this like gray death like little thing that comes from off. You're not attacking anymore. You're not. You're like barely in control and it just slowly comes and takes you. <laughs> and, and it's like it's like no. You're done. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it what it does. I was like, this is playtime's over. So I unlocked unlock something else by doing these things, which was awesome because now there's something else for me to go check out. But my buddy, who is a little bit ahead of me, like he he's been playing as well and like kind of gets a little bit like leapfrogs me, plays a little bit more often than I do. Um, got into this situation where the took the cap off of leveling up items and then took the cap off the timer. So now it sends me a picture or sends me a short video of how like they're like an hour into the run and of like they're usually only 15 to 30 minutes, depending on which level you're on, completely demolishing everything. And the like the deaths are going like like killed like over 400,000. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like just sitting there, the controller is just down and the character is doing all this work. I was like, this is so funny. And I just thought about this today. When we were getting on the call, I meant to call them and ask them about it because I'm wondering, so powerful that you can't die? Because if that's the case, you you can never end that level and take all of the stuff that you've earned. Oh. Which would be a twist. Yeah. So I'm really curious how that netted out. <laughs> oh. No, that is interesting, but actually. I didn't realize so it worked that way you can things. only grab it at the end when, it's, when, like, the, when it ends with your death or whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so if you, well, yeah, you well, if you die in the beginning, in the middle, too, you, you get what you've earned up to that point. But if you don't yeah. die, the level doesn't end. Interesting. Yeah, so is there a fail state, or do you have to, like, cancel? I think you have to quit. Hmm. I think you have to quit the level, and then, therefore, you don't get any of the stuff that you've earned. Okay. Which seems interesting. I have to ask and see where see where that went. Who knows? For all I know, if you leave the control there and the game plays for twenty four hours, you probably unlock something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's bonkers. It's really fun. Like really, really fun. You find out these combinations of like weapons and powers that go together, and like you evolve them, and then you find out later on that like if you get two things that are evolved and you merge those together, you could evolve it to something. It's just ridiculous. It is. It's absurd. And then you just go on this like power trip. When your character is just like when I when I was um, the most powerful, the, the one where I killed death. Yeah, I had there's this one power up that sends Bibles swirling around you. It starts with like two and I get a power up that gave me three and you level it up because four and then it goes more damage and it moves faster. But I had the level capping off. So I just kept leveling up. By the time I got to the end there, the the circle around me that the Bibles were, were swirling in was so big that it was touching the edges of the top and bottom of the screen. (laughs) 
and it was moving so fast that you couldn't see the things that were in it anymore. It was just like this circle of chaos. So that was one thing. And the enemies couldn't get past that. But if they did, I also had my garlic leveled up, my evolved garlic, <laughs> which if they touch the evolved garlic. So is that like they, elephant garlic or? they get Yes. They get hurt. Uh, have you ever cooked with elephant garlic? It is ridiculous. I don't think so, but I've seen it before. It's it's, it's bonkers. But uh, if they touch the garlic, they get hurt. But then also when it's evolved garlic, they don't only just get hurt. You're stealing their hearts too. So you suck the life out of the things as they enter that circle. So that circle is inside of the Bible circle. So I've got this area of defense around me that is just killing everything. And then if they somehow cross that, I just suck the life out of them. Now, would you call it a Bible belt? Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. Bible belt in perpetual mode. Yeah. yeah. It's a great game. You should play it. All right. Sure. I, uh, I might give it a shot. You should play it on Oscars weekend. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get we'll get into some vampire survivors. What are you what are you uh, what are you consuming? <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll just get out of the way quickly. My my kind of recurring weekly watches uh, I've, I'm up on. I uh, watched this week's Bad Batch. I went all the way through to finish the last couple episodes of Shrinking that have been out. Um, that's been dropping on yes. Friday, so there'll be a, a new one tomorrow, I guess. Uh, I really enjoy Shrinking. I, that that's a really entertaining I gotta show. Watch that one. Um, I, yeah, I think I would think you and, and Kim would enjoy that one for sure. Um, Harrison Ford's good in it. He's—I don't know if it's just that he's finally found projects he actually wanted to work on or what. Like I kind of, um, yeah, no, like he—he's a good actor when he wants to be, and it seems like right now he wants to be. Between, like, I don't watch 1923, but like. I've seen bits of it, like if my parents were watching it, or if I've seen like a clip mm. of it here and there. It's like he seems like he gives a damn about doing it, and he seems like okay. he gives a damn about doing this. I mean, he's still playing a crusty old man, which he is in real life, sure. but like, like he doesn't seem like he's bored being there. Like, there's a way to do that in a way that's interesting. Sure, that's cool. Yeah, so I, uh, I really have enjoyed that show so far. Um, it's got a compelling central group of characters and um, it, you know, switches back and forth between funny and, and real and all that. And it's, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a good solid watch. I, I've very much enjoyed that show so far. Um, nice. Bad Batch is still just fine. Um, still plugging through for all mankind. I watched a couple episodes the other day. Um, I'm like halfway through the second season of three that are out. I, I know they're working on the fourth season. I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Hopefully, maybe later this year. Um, mm. So that's been like kind of like the weekly, in addition to you know obviously the Last of Us, uh, which we'll talk about later. But, sure. Um, do you have Good. something you want to jump to, or do you want me to go to my next yeah. thing? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my my quick burn of of the shows that I'm keeping up with. So Abbott Elementary, which is just hysterical, um, a million little things, which at this point I feel like we just can, we continue to watch, and it's you know it's good enough. Oh, is that still going? But, yeah, but some of the some of the some of the acting. Is just oh jeez, but like it's just hard. Some of it's hard to watch. Like Kim and I constantly make faces at each other during certain characters on screen. But ultimately, it's just a just a drama for drama's sake. Like show, it's mm. it's entertaining. I I look forward to watching it. Uh, and American Idol started last week, so um, oh. we we got really into it last year, and it was fun. It was just like really fun to watch. So that's right. I remember being 
perplexed when he told me that. Like, yeah, I so Kim and I were talking about this, and it's it's again good. It's it's entertaining. Um, I think it, when the show started and like there was no gate, and it was just like <laughs> here are the people auditioning, and it was like there was like a shock value to it, and it was kind of fun, but that that doesn't hold. Like you I, you can only do so much of that. Of just mm-hmm. listening to, to just horrible auditions, right? So <laughs> it's gotten to the point where, like, they have to. I mean, I, I know they've been doing this for years, but they have to like pass this like a level of audition before they even get onto the show. Now, yeah, which is good because then you get some more interesting. Like, you get some like there's some people that have performed already that you're like, damn, like that was that was awesome, <laughs> or like that have like you know, touching backstories, whatever. But then there's like the they will let a few through that are just going to be like a showpiece. And I feel like I'm a little I, it, it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way because it's like, do they know? Do they know they were put through like to ham it up? Because sometimes they seem genuinely upset. It's tough to tell. Some of them, it's obvious that they know it's a bit. And sometimes yeah. it seems like you're not 100% sure. Yeah. So um that that part I find weird. I don't even like I'm not there for the shock value of of like oh my god this was so terrible. Like oh I I I I I can't not watch it. I don't I don't I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. I watch it through my shirt. I pull my shirt over my head and I watch There's it been a couple shirt. of them that have been funny over the years, but yeah. overall I agree with you. <laughs> but I like I like to listen to a good performance. I love covers, so that that works for me. But then I really I really enjoy the show for the occasional like person that like starts singing and you go where did you come from? <laughs> like, and that, those are awesome. Um, so yeah, it's fun. The the judges are entertaining enough too. I love Lionel. Who, who are the judges now? <laughs> it's Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan. That sounds right. What yeah. a random group of people yeah. of, of artists. Yeah, indeed. It's just like it's not American Idol. It's America's Next Country Singer because that seems to be all they do. Which is uh, really for the most irritating. part, at this point, yeah. But uh, I usually, I, I, I never really care for those. Um, but so it's fun. That's my, that's my rapid fire. Okay. Um, so I watched. Uh, I had been talking to my dad about watching For All Mankind, and he seemed vaguely interested. But he, what he asked after, he said, "Well, did you ever see the right stuff?" I said, "No." So on Sunday we watched the right stuff. Uh, me and him and my brother. Did you ever that? see that one? No, it's on my list of things that I'd like to watch. So Re- really good movie. Really, um, you know, it's it's a pretty fascinating story. I mean, the, the what that movie tackles hands the baton to, well, you know, the real aspect of where for all mankind takes off, and then obviously, you know, muddles between the real and the the fictitious, but. Sure. Um, it's a pretty fascinating story because and, and the way that the movie is presented <laughs> is kind of non-traditional because whatever you may think like the main character or the main cast is kind of changes and ebbs and flows throughout the passage of time because it starts in That's cool. I think the late 1940s or early 1950s, I forget. Um, with um, Oh, what the hell is his name? It, uh, he was a he was a World War II pilot. He was at the time he was the most accomplished pilot in the U.S. military. He had, he was the only person to ever shoot down five enemy planes in the same 
day, which is okay. incredible. Um, and he, <clears throat> I'm totally forgetting the guy's name right now, but uh, he, he was like a super famous pilot. He was a test pilot for the military for a long time. And he was the first person to break the sound barrier in an airplane. Um, and it, so it starts with all of that. Sam Shepard played him in, in the movie and they go through this whole thing where it's, it's the lead up to him taking the assignment, doing it. And it's an incredible story as it is. It was literally Chuck like Yeager, Chuck Yeager. That's it. Um, th- like they, the jets didn't exist at that point. It was, you know, they went from propeller planes to, they had built rockets Right. So he flies a rocket plane, which <laughs> when you watch what happens, it's like, oh, rockets aren't really meant to be steered like planes. Like they don't, yeah. it's not, it doesn't really work. Uh, Cause like a bunch of these test pilots were like dying and not achieving Mach one, even though they thought that the engine was capable of doing it. And because it's a rocket and not like a jet, the way that they launched this plane is, a giant cargo plane is holding the rocket plane and it takes off and flies and drops the plane. And then you ignite the rocket (laughs) fucking it's basically don't crash for long enough to get (laughs) enough acceleration to break the sound barrier, which I guess at that time they didn't even think it was physically possible to do. They, there was and a lot of it's built in superstition, but it's like, because there's physical resistance to it. They call it like the wall, basically. Like they're like there's some sort of invisible force that you will like crash into as if you were running into a wall. And it, so it goes from that, and you know, they spent the first half hour of the movie is very Chuck Yeager centric. And then he has like a sum total of five minutes of screen time across the whole rest of the movie, which is over three hours. Oh wow. Long. That's because cool. his story unfortunately mostly ends Mm -hmm. at that point and he passes the baton to other people uh you know and it's it's kind of fucked up like i would assume that the story is largely true um and in fact chuck yeager himself is in the movie in a cameo as not as himself playing someone else but it's the real life chuck yeager plays like a bartender in this bar that all of the pilots go to and it's about the actual start of the space program in the u.s and you know you hear some a little bit of stuff about russia which like i'm sure for all mankind spiritually took a lot of stuff from this movie because mm-hmm. there's a lot of parallels of how they deliver some of these some of the space race and yeah it's a really good movie it's fascinating it is a long watch it can be slow at times, although largely not. I was never bored by it, really. Um, it's got a ridiculous, ridiculous cast. Um, uh, I don't know if you have the, the cast list up, but I'll read off like who like uh, I could pull it back up. Yep, I got it here. Because um, I'm going to end up forgetting a couple people because of how many people were in it. We got Sam Shepard, Scott Glenn, Ed Harris, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. That's another face that puts me to sleep. Yep. Fred that, Ward. He's so young in this man. Barbara Hershey. Kim Stanley. That name sounds familiar. Veronica Cartwright. Pamela Reed. That's uh, the kindergarten cop, right? Yes. Scott Paulin. Charles Frank. Lance Henriksen. 
Donald yes. Moffat, Levon Helm, Mary Jo Deschanel. Yeah, Scott Emily and oh, Zoe's Wilson. mother, who I, who I did not know was... Uh, Get out of here. Was, yeah, that's, that's really? their mother. I had no idea. Oh, that's cool. Scott Wilson. That's pretty cool. A little Herschel action. Kathy Baker and a Mickey Crocker. So, obviously Sam Shepard plays Chuck Yeager, who is a pilot, but does not become an astronaut. So, Scott, Scott Glenn, Ed Harris, Dennis Quaid, Fred Ward, um, Scott Paulin, Charles Frank, and Lance Henriksen play the first astronauts. The first American astronauts for NASA. And they show the selection process. There's a big chunk kind of in the middle of the movie of them trying to recruit the best pilots who fit the qualifications they thought they would need to be not just pilots, but astronauts. And it shows, you know, of these million candidates or whatever that were trying to do it. And, you know, you kind of focus in on these guys. These are all real life people. Alan Shepard was the first man to go to outer space played by Scott Glenn. Um, John Glenn, Gordon Cooper, Gus Grissom, um, Deke Slayton, Scott Carpenter, Wally Shura, those were the first crew of astronauts. And for a large chunk of the movie, it's them together. And it's really cool watching as time goes on and as they're trying to figure this shit out Mm -hmm. step by step, watching some of the brilliant things that they come up with and some of the absolute idiocy they come out with that someone has to correct. Like, guys, this is fucking stupid. And watching, (laughs) like, the kind of jock mentality of the pilots butting up against the scientists as they were trying to you know and both sides end up getting some of it right and some of it wrong and watching the natural rivalries that exist among the astronauts and then watching as the tension gets ratcheted up and ratcheted up the camaraderie that forms throughout all of that it's a really really good movie that's that's a funny concept because i feel like juxtaposed with like maverick where the jocks are like we're gonna do this thing and the scientists are like yeah i mean we really could make it possible for you to do this thing <laughs> well and so there is some of that like for instance they they create the you know the, the scientists create this capsule right there's no shuttles back then it's a capsule yeah and it's to be totally steered and controlled on the ground by the scientists mm-hmm. and they're like we're pilots you hired us to be astronauts as pilots. What happens when your controls don't work? We're pilots. We need to be able to fly this thing. <laughs> and you didn't put a window on it. We can't oh my God. <laughs> physically see out of the thing. And they're like, well, you won't have to. Like, we are controlling it. You won't have to fly it. And they're like, okay. And what if the primary system goes down? We have a secondary system. To go. And, and when that goes down, we might be able to do a window. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I have to watch this. This sounds right up my alley. It's a it's a good movie. Uh, you know, it's 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 a very serious subject, and, and I, sure. I've always been fascinated and enamored of outer space, and so it, this is right up my alley. Even though, like, it's not it's it's sci fi in the strictest definition, but not really because this is real. It's not sci fi. It's it's, it's sci non fi. Like it's, but it's real science and space and all that shit. But it, I don't know. It's this, there's just something about it and it's, it's super well 
acted and Listen, directed and written. As long as no one does some sort of cheesy model version of slingshotting around something or folds a piece of paper in half and pokes a hole through it, I think we're going to be okay. No, this is this is what really happened, man. This shit really happened <laughs> 60, 70 years ago. Um, and, you know, like, there's things like they didn't know if once you left the atmosphere, if it was possible to survive. Yeah. No one did. Like, just like, you yeah. know, 15 years earlier, they didn't know if they could physically fly faster than a certain speed because, like, some sort of space force was going to just swat the plane down because, no, you're not allowed to do that physics. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, there's one there's one specific scene that... Sorry, there's two specific scenes that are kind of left up to a certain amount of interpretation because, you know, some of that stuff was classified. And also, when you're talking about one person mm-hmm. going to outer space and we've no one has ever been there before... Right. What is true or not true? And forget about what is true or not true. Do we even have the knowledge to be able to interpret what is being experienced in that moment? Right. But it's not played for cheesiness. It's like in real time, that's what they like. They didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it, I don't know. It's just, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Even if you don't give I'm, a shit about I'm, I'm, science I'm from a historical it. perspective, this sounds fa- fantastic. Yeah, it's a it's a good movie. It's long as shit. Don't get me wrong, but it's a really good movie. I think it's I don't worth really the have an issue time. with long movies. So, well, I don't. I don't just mean for you. I mean for anyone. Sure. Right on. Awesome. Um, I have not consumed many movies. I did rewatch uh, the movie that we're doing today to a degree, uh, but I did get to sit down for another hour or so with Hogwarts Legacy. Okay, it's fun. It's like it's very entertaining. Like to run around the castle and do missions and stuff like that. Like it's not like there's, there's nothing about it. That's going to me. That's like, Oh, like I love this game. Like I have to go back to it like immediately, but like I I'm compelled to like to play through it for sure. And like to do side <laughs> missions. It is fun to, to just be in that world. I love, I love the wizarding world. So like, it's, um, it's super entertaining. It's not like, I don't know, as far as like games that like really captivate, like, when Jedi Survivor comes out, for example, uh, all other video games are on hold. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. that is a thing. But I already know, like, I'm going to be completely, like, locked in on. But this will be nice. Like, I would like to finish the main story before that so that I don't get too lost coming back to it. But I doubt that that'll actually happen. Uh, but it is it is fun. And, like, the dueling mechanics is, are kind of fun. And, like, figuring out, like, timing and, like, using the right spells to break guards and, like, dodging and parrying and like it's 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 got a lot of killer component like i like that stuff in video games like i like jedi fallen order like for example like i like those types of combat mechanics yeah and uh it's got that and then like there's all the secrets that you try to unlock and there's a couple of side quests that i did that i'm like it's stupid but (laughs) it's fine i got to run around the castle and overhear things that were going on and i got to go to a dueling club and it's 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 fun now, There's a really cool mechanic of, of um, when you learn a new spell, it's a very small mini game, but you like, you have to trace this like wand motion with the right stick or the left stick. Okay. I don't remember. Probably the left stick. And you have to hit buttons along the way. And when you hit the button, it like gives you a little bit of a boost. But as once you start, something starts following it. And if it hits it, you fail and you have to do it again. Hmm. So like you're trying to like 
perfectly do the maneuver and also hit the buttons at just the right time. Like it, it's a neat little, it's, it's not overbearing. They don't do it that often, but like you have to do that to unlock the spell. And that's just, yeah, it's just kind of fun. Now, how, how open is the game? Like how much space on the grounds, how much space in the From castle? What I understand it gets pretty damn open um, okay. to the point where you can like get a hippogriff and fly around. Oh, nice. Um, I have not done much of that. I have been mostly in the castle, which only certain areas of it are like locked off from you for like level purposes. But I've also gone to Hogsmeade and that's, Mm. that looked pretty wide too. Um, but I haven't done any like deep exploration into the distance to see like where I can go. I do know that there's a lot. Have you journeyed into the forbidden forest or is it not yet? No, I haven't gone there yet. Okay. Now also how open is it like? from the perspective of like, are there time sensitive things? Like, do you have to, if you like don't go to class on time, do you like get in trouble or some shit? I haven't had any sort of time, okay. time thing. It's just like, I choose which mission I'm going to do. And then like, I just follow that. I was just curious. Cause I'm assuming like you've mentioned like going to classes or something yeah. like that. Like, so no, there like, hasn't been anything like you have to like, get Oh no. Time. Like you have to, you turn on the game. You have to go to charms class within the next you know, 30 minutes, otherwise, like, you fail in- charms and, like, someone's going to, Interestingly, like, I, th- I think the, some of the missions, I think, have a time component to them of, like, they take place at a certain time. So, like, for example, I started this one mission, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this, this main quest line. So I went to go start it, and I got to the place where it starts, and it's like, oh, the professor's not here, I guess I'll wait. And, like, the character sits down, and the screen went black for a second and came back, and it was a different time of day, and then the professor was there. So, like, okay, so there might be, like, ask, like so- Is there a yeah. game clock, or is it just based on, like, oh, I choose to initiate this, which has to take place in the afternoon? Right, I think there's just, like, an atmospheric clock, okay. basically. <laughs> that, like, it can cycle to. Well, so, like, is there, like, a... So, like, if you, if you finish that, like, do you have to, like go to sleep to initiate the next day or no, I haven't had to do anything like that. Okay. I haven't, I haven't played for any specific length of time where I've really noticed the time change, except for that one instance where I chose to do that quest. And it was okay. like, he's not here right now. Cause I like, also like the characters that you interact with and like you, you start quest with, they're like walking around the castle. So like it, it could also very well be that the game needed to calculate, okay, what happens between him getting from where he is to, you and like what other characters move to their appropriate places because i'm assuming there's like secrets like that within the castle because i was wondering like because like something like um like the last several like grand theft auto games like have that accelerated game clock where like if you play for like like basically a minute an hour you know where Mm -hmm. you know if you play for 24 minutes you go through like the cycle of a day and night so that like different things happen at night than at day time and all that shit so or you know there's like uh was like the elder scroll games right like you can like go to sleep to rest for whatever but you choose oh i'm gonna rest for eight hours so it went from daytime to dusk you know and now oh there was this one quest i can only do during dusk or whatever so if it was something like that yeah i haven't i haven't encountered anything like that you do have your common you do have your dormitory that you can go into so i don't know i haven't even tried to sleep i don't know if there's if that's a mechanic i haven't okay i haven't experienced it yet did you figure out the, like level five or six the mirror is broken all of the, the mirror. mirrors are broken i don't <laughs> they, if i look at the mirror it's the back of my character i have no idea what's going on like it feels like something that should have should have definitely like people have noticed this right Wait, so like, is, the, is the game third person or first person third so is the mirror showing you the reflection of 
the camera, which is pointed at your back. <laughs> Let's not give them that much credit. It's clearly no. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Clearly a mistake. <laughs> I'm just trying to get answers. <laughs> oh man, it is kind of funny though. It's very, it's very disorienting to interact with. I would, I would think so. It's just like so, like, like okay. So that's the back of me, and I'm looking at it. And I turn the character around towards the camera, and now I see the front of the character in the mirror. I'm like, this is this is dumb. This is, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> I do have some pretty cool gloves. Oh, okay. they look cool. I've got a cool cloak that I unlocked. You Sweet. can unlock things. You can wear them. Nice. What I do like about the game is that, like, you can unlock. You'll find and unlock and earn various like apparel that have certain effects and things like that on them but what the game doesn't do is it doesn't lock you into to having the look of that thing that you unlocked so like you can hmm. i unlocked the cloak that has like you know x y or z buff on it i can choose to have that buff but but look like the other cloak that i like oh, okay. which I, I really appreciate it's kind of cool and you kind of own what your character looks like hmm. which aiden clearwater is looking pretty dope right now okay Sometimes you can, you can put your head up, you can put your head down. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I do a lot of uh, Accio and just like try to grab things that are in the sky. It's great. <laughs> do you ever there's see random, There's random like spellbound pages that are flying around and you can grab them and then you earn oh. stuff for it. It's pretty cool. Have you ever kidnapped someone's owl as it's coming into the... Uh, I have not. <laughs> to the cafeteria. I'll have to give that, to give that a go. The great hole. Find a, uh, this. The these. This girl was trying to play gobstones with uh, some of the other classmates, and I guess she's really good at them. But when you lose at gobstones, apparently you get stunk by it. Like, <laughs> yes, actually, that does sound right. Right. So they got mad at her, and they put her gobstones in high places that she couldn't reach. And she's only a first year and doesn't know any spells. So I had to run around the castle and collect them. So you had so, to Achio her gobstones. Right. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, that's a phrase. I'm it not sure is. I'm with it. <laughs> hey, listen, you uh, you prompted it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> later on, I'm gonna go Achio Hergobstones. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> did you Did you know? I think um, whose line is it anyways? Ending. I think like they're shooting like the final season of it. I didn't realize it was still on. Yeah, it is. Oh, man, I used to love that show. Yeah, what else yeah. are you consuming? Um, so I am stalling until I get to the page with my stuff. Uh, <laughs> sure. I had some pretty fantastic uh, food stuffs this week. Oh, I'm glad because I've got two listed right here too to go over as well. So Saturday, Saturday, um, me and Dominic went out to a couple of bars in Beacon, and I hadn't had dinner. So the first one we went to, he's like, "Oh yeah, the food's pretty good there." Um, so I got there and he goes, oh, it looks like they must rotate the menu every few months because this wasn't what it was the last time. Uh, he had already eaten, but I saw it was basically all Mexican food. I was like, okay, cool. Perfect. And on the special, like the signature dishes, lamb tacos. Yes. I was like, well, I've I'm never good. had lamb tacos before. And that phenomenon is going to have to change. We're going to have to yep. have the lamb tacos. Naturally. They were so good. So fat because I literally like like it came out like piping hot to me and I picked one up and like a gallon of oil poured out of it. Amazing. <laughs> Which is kind of disgusting, but it's like, oh, so this is gonna be delicious then. Yeah. 
Um, it was in some sort of like ancho chili rub Ugh. and like pickled Ugh. red onions. Yes. <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Messy as shit because like I said, so much fat and oil came out of like the lamb, but it was so mm-hmm. freaking good. Nice. Uh, so that was. Uh, I love lamb. That, um, are you just saying things that you love around the area or do you really love the lamb? <laughs> I love the lamb. Um, so I had off Monday. A lot of people did with President's Day. Um, it's like my whole family and did as well. And uh, so Sunday we had like kind of was treated more like a Saturday. We cool. had brunch. My mom decided to <coughs> come up with a bunch of different stuff to make. So she made like French toast sticks and like a big quiche. And she made pancake mini muffins she basically made pancakes but put them into like a mini muffin like tray with you know blueberries and chocolate chips and all that fun stuff cool dominic got uh, a couple of different um because i'm not actually huge on mimosas i prefer like a bellini instead sure but he didn't just get peach he also got passion fruit nectar and guava nectar cool so mixed up some of those. Literally, I had each of them on their own, and then I also tried mixing and matching two or three of the juices together. Nice, pretty incredible. So that was that was a nice a nice touch. And today, she stumbled across this recipe. Never would have considered it. She's like, "Oh, let me give that a try." It was gnocchis in like a Parmesan cream sauce with mm-hmm. chicken and spinach. And I think lemon. Okay. Really fucking good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And then for Mardi Gras, I had, um, well, we all, my dad was like, yeah, I got to work late, whatever. Um, Let's just order whatever we want from whatever restaurants we want. And um, so I got, um, there's kind of like a combo thing from the Mexican place I like here where, you know, it's enchilada and flauta and burrito or whatever. Um, and he got food from this Italian restaurant, and he you know, he surprised us by coming home with waffle fries and gorgonzola. I don't know if you were stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Those are both of the things I'm coming to you for. <laughs> oh, you brewed with heart in me there. You did it. I did. I did. <laughs> the vampire survived me. <laughs> I was gonna. I was thinking of that setting something you the other day. I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna find my way to like Trojan oh. horse this into the conversation. Damn. You know what's really irritating to me is that yesterday we were at a restaurant and they had gnocchi with a gorgonzola cream sauce and I Ooh. with like with like toasted walnuts on top of it. That sounded Ooh. so I didn't get it. We ended up getting oh, other why? things that were incredible. Because the other thing that I wanted I'm not I'm not sorry I got it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But anyway, I heard that and I was like I gotta make plans with Al. I still have to try these fucking fries. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> is that it? Is that, oh, is that for the foods? It? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So yesterday we went out to dinner. And uh, we haven't been out to dinner in a, in a while. And there's a place that uh, somebody had recommended to Kim. It's extremely difficult to get a reservation. You can only make them online. They only com- they only only You can only be seated by reservation. And they are constantly booked. Mm. So like 
the friend that I had told her about it was like, I just noticed that there is an availability on this date. If you want, you can try to go get it. We got it. So it was free yesterday. Um, you go in, not a, not a tiny place, but not a big place. It's fairly, it's small. BYOB, which I appreciate for a place like that. Um, brought a nice bottle of wine. It was delicious. Um, we started off with one of the appetizers and one of the sides as an appetizer. So the first appetizer was stuffed fried olives. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of it that, but it sounds delightful. Olives stuffed with sausage and chicken and battered and fried. So I wouldn't have thought that the olives would be big enough to properly do that. Yeah, I don't know how they managed it, but they managed it. And did it, they like Frankenstein? Like, did they like cut three or four olives and like slit them open and then like stitch them together around the stuffing? No, no. They pinned <laughs> the olive and they managed to shove the stuff through the hole. I don't understand. It was delicious. <laughs> it was so damn good. Um, and then we had uh, the side that we grabbed as an appetizer was uh, like Roman artichokes. So the uh, if you, you like artichokes? Yeah, it depends on what they're in. Like, I, I don't love them, but I don't like dislike them. They're fine. It, it just kind of depends on them. how they're prepared. I, like, I, my, I, my, one of my aunts on my dad's side makes um, like fried artichoke hearts, and those yep. are fucking delicious. Sure. Um, and like, I've had them a couple of different ways and different pastas, and they're fine. But like on their own, I'm not always a huge fan of them. Like, so this particular type of artichoke is really is really good on its own. I know, I feel like I know what you're talking about. There are some that are not; they're fine. But like, this is really good, and it's yeah. it's a small artichoke, and it has a really long the long stem is attached to it. Yeah, it's very very tender. The whole thing is very tender, and they have them cut in half lengthwise, and they had this like breadcrumb. Romano like crunch on top of it, and it was on mm. this bed of something pureed with a lot of lemon. Like okay. I, and it was. I think lemon is a common accompaniment to oh our joke. Goodness, yeah, it goes so good. That was incredible. So then, that was that was the appetizer. Dinner. I'm gonna start with. I'm I'm gonna start with the one that wasn't that wasn't the best, which was still one of the better things I've ever eaten. Um. <laughs> We had a one of their specials was just a twist on they have a bolognese on the menu, but this was like one of their specials was like we're not doing that tonight we're doing it slightly different mm. so that this replaces that we're like okay we're listening and it was um they made their own in house spinach fettuccine okay okay so we're talking homemade pasta but with infused with spinach it was green it was green pasta um they made the bolognese with with pork and beef. And they did it like that more traditional style where there's a very light amount of tomato in it and there's cream in it to give it okay. uh, a different texture. I was just reading something the other day talking about like adding cream to it. I was like, oh, I never would have thought to have that in bolognese. Like that yeah. wouldn't have seemed like it will, I just would have thought that would have been some other thing. Mm-hmm. But they they did that with a uh however many month old aged pecorino shaved on top. It was delightful. It was just so creamy and delicious. And the pasta was cooked perfectly. Like the meat was, it was, think, it was so good. I don't think I would have thought to have spinach pasta with that sort of sauce. I think because they did a creamy sauce, they made a creamy bolognese. It was like a white bolognese basically. 
but it also wasn't very saucy. It was more it let the it let the individual parts of the dish speak for itself, which was which I really appreciate. It was okay. delicious. That was excellent, and not even remotely as good as the next dish I'm about. To. Oh God! <laughs> okay, it was orchetta picante. Okay. Okay. Homemade orchetta. Orchetta. So those little like they're like those like thumbprint like. Hats. <laughs> Orchetti? Sure. Okay. Um, with those like thumbprint hats. Yeah. They did that and it was uh so it was you know the not the um I wanna say it they call it pepperoncini, but it's not like the it's not like those green ones that you get in like a salad. It, it's yeah. like the red one, the the like calabrese pepper. Like the one that is like similar to what's used in the dried crust red pepper, but like it's not the dry one. It's like it's it's fermented and it's I don't know if you've ever had. I have some. I will give it okay. to you when you come. It's delicious. But basically they made not, not a cherry pepper, right? Like something. No, else. no, but okay. there was cherry pepper involved too. So it was that plus cherry pepper. And I'm assuming some sort of maybe tomato paste. There was definitely a little bit of cream involved. And it was definitely pureed. Because mm-hmm. that the pepper flavor, the vinegar from those peppers, the tomato, all of it was all one cohesive sauce. Okay. Dude. Dude. <laughs> that sounds pretty this good. This is one of the best pastas I've ever had. I've had a lot of pasta in my life. I was say, because I, I really like chicken scarparella, which has the cherry peppers with the vinegar yeah. as like the base of the sauce. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite Italian dishes. So I'm sure I probably would have really liked that. I always think yeah. of... We have the orchetti with um, like broccoli rob and hot sausage and mm. um, sun dried tomatoes and like with like a sauteed like garlic and oil and like hot pepper flakes too. Like that's yeah. one of my favorite pasta dishes. Yeah. Oh, so good. this this was just like I can't even explain. It was so goddamn good. <laughs> I was like, I took a bite of it and I was like, this is just not right. <laughs> And, like, on top of that, they cooked the pasta perfect. And, like, it sounds like that shouldn't be hard to do. But it is. It, like, you you have to take it out at the exact right moment. Because it's going to it's gonna continue to cook just a little bit longer than that. you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. And they knew what they were doing. <laughs> and all of the pasta was so evenly and perfectly cooked. And it was just, like, it had just the right amount of bite to it. And this incredible sauce. It was just so good. Uh, and we didn't stop there. Oh, boy. And then had some dessert. Okay. Right. Add an espresso. Kim had a, a cappuccino, which she immediately regretted. She was like, this is, uh, I'm, I'm so full. <laughs> I think were her words as it arrived. <laughs> and then we got uh, pistachio gelato. Oh, man. Delicious. It was excellent. And olive oil orange cake. I'm sorry, what now? Yeah. So it was like this white cake with like, I'm assuming orange juice would be my guess was in the batter of the cake is my, I assume is what happened here. And then I guess they maybe drenched the cake in olive oil once it's done because it wasn't like it, it may have been cooked with it also, but it was so clearly moist with olive oil. And then there was a fresh whipped cream on top with orange zest and slices of orange. Nice. It was bananas and like i feel like when you go to a restaurant like this the desserts are usually it's fine no 
they were excellent. <laughs> and all the other ones that I saw come out, I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Now, one thing about the restaurant was the menu, nothing crazy. It wasn't a huge size menu, which I appreciate. It was like maybe there was like five appetizers, five pastas, five dinners, five sides that you could choose from. But then they read you the specials and the specials list is longer than the goddamn menu. And I'm, I've, I've, I've immediately lost track. But like on the specials menu was the Gorgonzola gnocchi. Nice. Which I Sounds. didn't get, which I would, Sounds I would delightful. like to try. But there were like four different fishes on the That's specials like menu. That's surprising. Usually there's one or two because like yeah. a lot of times like the specials menus are like derived by like what they can, like what they got like a good deal on that they don't always carry or whatever. Right. Which is yeah. why like, you know, the specials always has like, like the, like the regular menu always has like, you know, a filet of soul dish and like, you know, fraud diablo or whatever. And then like, there's like, Oh, we have a special today. It's a, it's a trout, a river trout or whatever. Like, cause they don't always have that, but that week they got a good deal on it or whatever. Yeah. Right? Man. Oh, I want to go back. I will be going back. Um, that was last night's dinner. Tonight we had a nice Italian wedding soup. Always, I always like, um, very easy to make. Hmm. The worst part about it is rolling all those tiny meatballs. Yeah, that's why, like, my dad will, like, spend hours on a Sunday making, like, 400 meatballs and then freezing, like, 90% of them (laughs) (laughs) so that, you know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to make them again for, like, months (laughs) because then it it encouraged him to say when he has the mood for that because he likes to make, I mean, he does, has, like, his own particular variation of it, but, like, he likes that sort of soup and so he can... Mm make the soup and then just go grab the meatballs and pop them in. And right, he's making the tiny, he's making all of these tiny meatballs. Oh, he'll make like both. He'll make regular meatballs okay. and tiny gotcha. meatballs. Nice. And yeah. then he'll freeze. A, like I said, he'll freeze. He'll like, like, it'll be like, Oh, it's Sunday. We're going to do like a Sunday, like bolognese type or whatever, like Sunday yeah. dinner, like with like pasta mm-hmm. meatballs, like whatever. And so he'll make a bunch of meatballs for that. And then he'll, make a bunch of regular and tiny meatballs from the mix that he made. You know, he'll cook all of them and then he'll put, you know, 15 of them in the sauce or whatever, or 12 in the sauce. And then the nice. rest all get like vacuum sealed and thrown in the freezer. Not a bad idea. Uh, speaking of, cause then he doesn't have to do it for like three months or whatever. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's an Italian supermarket nearby. Um, they have some pretty good stuff, but they have one thing in particular in their butcher's section that they have is the Sunday dinner pack. Ooh. And it's, it's a vacuum sealed pack of one pound of each beef, veal, and pork ground, mm-hmm. six hot sausages, six sweet sausages, and two brisol. <laughs> two brisol. <laughs> and, it's all, nice. and it's all in one giant, like, one of those styrofoam, like, plate things with, like, the... <laughs> The plastic wrap over it. Yeah, and you could just be like, "I'm gonna make all of this." <laughs> my my dad actually got something like that a few months ago from a place he goes to, and I forget if it's in Rockland or Westchester. There's a place he stops in once every couple of months to buy like they have really good sausage. Nice. Um, and um, so <clears throat> he decided to try it for the first time. Like he, he bought it was like they had like a pack. It was kind of a a, a slightly more abbreviated version. I think it was the meatballs were already made, and it was a brujol and some sausage nice. or whatever. And so we threw that in with the sauce and all. Delicious. Well, you gotta love. You gotta love a Sunday dinner. I um. Do you put the whole head of garlic in the sauce? Um, I don't know. I mean, we 
So we don't usually skip on the garlic. But. Sure. Well, yeah. So, like, you know, we we slice uh, or crush, whatever you want to make it, the garlic, in, obviously, into the sauce itself. But we also, when the sauce is stewing, we'll put a whole head in there, and mm. it'll cook with with the skin on. The whole head just goes in there, yeah. and then at the end, when it's done, you take that out and you peel it and you pop out the very soft piece. They're so delicious. So my mom has done a couple of different uh, chicken dishes that have that. Um, Mm-hmm. One of them was literally called like forty cloves of garlic and like nice. So she just like yeah popped them off so they were like kind of suffused throughout like the dish because it was in like a white wine like chicken broth type of sauce or whatever. Uh, there's another one she's done where like you like just chop off like the root end, mm-hmm. but leave the whole rest of it covered and throw like the whole head in. Okay, that was yeah. in more like a broth like cacciatore type of thing. Occasionally, I've been in the mood for this, and I will because um, that's soft. Like when the garlic is soft like that, and you can it's it's become it's mellowed out, and then you could just eat it. It's so freaking delicious. Yeah, but, like, it's sweet. The easiest way to do it is to cut a piece of the top off, drizzle it with olive oil. I usually put a little bit of the crushed red pepper on top of that, and then you wrap it in foil, but leave the top just slightly peeking open, and you just roast it for in the oven. Yeah, minutes. I've seen that. They've done that too. I'm, they don't usually put the hot pepper on it, but like, yeah, just like yeah, wrap it in the tin foil like yeah. that. Yeah, mm. definitely. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm not. I had a. I've I've been trying to really commit to to um to cutting down a bit, and so I've done intermittent fasting off and on for a while, sure. and so I've even that has been whatever. So I've been trying to literally just have one meal a day. Mm. It's required tremendous discipline, but that's the whole point is to to break because I don't always have the discipline. Where it's like, ah, yeah, I'm like uh, an hour earlier than uh, I'm, I'm hungry. Let's just eat now, and then like that just sets me up to fail later on. So like I'll literally sure. not eat anything until I get home, and at, so at that point, like I can literally just eat as much as I want for dinner because mm. I've consumed zero calories. So even if I eat sure. something obnoxious, it's like twenty two hundred calories, and someone. My size and as active as I am at work, that's still a deficit. So <laughs> you were like, I was going to eat that anyways. <laughs> yeah, well, that's basically literally what it is. It's like, oh, like I might have eaten ninety percent of this anyway. So, oh well. <laughs> like, it's... oh man, so you got anything else for consumption? Yeah, so I uh, went to see Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania on Monday since I had Ooh. the day off. Um, I liked it. I will not Good. spoil anything for you. I've seen the reviews are just wide ranging, like wide. I was going to say, I, I'm glad to hear that you say you liked it because I, I haven't read anything. I've seen a couple of hot takes that were all negative, And I was like, oh, stop that. So that's basically what I've been seeing. I haven't read any actual reviews. Mm-hmm. I've just seen like, just like a. A tagline here is pretty much what yeah I stuff like that or just like a tweet like referencing it like not reviewing it just like referencing it or whatever um and like i know it's like tanking on like rotten tomatoes i gotta be honest i maybe you know maybe if i saw it a second time i would feel less generous towards it but where i'm at right now after having watched one time is that in all of phase four and five which is like everything post endgame um it's probably the third best behind the two Spider-Man movies. Cool. Like I would probably put it a notch ahead of Doctor Strange, which I had really liked. So um, okay, that's great. Like, that, I would that say makes I would, me excited. I for me personally, I would those two competed pretty heavily. I would probably give the nod to this one. But to be fair, I've seen the Doctor Strange movie twice now, and I've seen this one once. Um, but 
I liked it. I, I mean, it's weird. Sure. My, my like, impressions, my, like, Expect nothing less. My, yeah, my vague impressions of it, it's like, it's weird. It's, I think, by far the weirdest of the Ant-Man movies. It makes sense when you consider that 90 to 95% of it take place in the quantum realm. Um, sure. And actually, technically, it's not even in the quantum realm. It's like another level down Ooh. from the quantum realm. <laughs> um, well, because like there's like just a full blown like on like the order of like an intergalactic society down there. And it's like there's even a line where like Scott's like um, we studied it pretty seriously, and I never saw any like sign of life. And and Janet's like, you yeah, know, we're like even further down. Then, like you like couldn't actually. There's no way to see this. <laughs> I'm so excited! I really I want to see it. I'm so pumped. Okay. There's some. Uh, there's a couple of cool cameos. One nice. for sure that I think everyone more or less knew about, and one that surprised me. I'm sure cool. other people who know the actual comic lore better knew what it was going to be, but I didn't. Um, I was nice. genuinely pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I think Jonathan Majors has taken the baton from himself as Kang in Loki and awesome. was even more fantastic in this just by virtue of getting more screen time. I sure. still probably didn't have enough screen time in this. Okay. He's a fantastic actor, man. Like he's like fucking my yeah. age too. Like, which is like not fair. He's a really freaking good actor. Um, yeah. <clears throat> not that like just like their role in a Marvel role should be like the be all and end all of how you, like evaluate someone's acting talents, but he's really good and just, he's just giving 110% in every scene, basically. Whether he's going big or small. He was just right out there, we have 110%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just like uh, Evan Fraser in The Whale. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, like, he's not just going big. There's some, like, really small, quiet scenes with him in this, too. Cool. I won't give out how and why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's he's great and the whole cast and characters is is fun um no this is great this makes me so happy because i was i was getting i was a little bit bummed when i heard initial impressions so now i was good i was surprised to see like yeah i was seeing more negative than positive but from what i'm seeing is like there's like a wide range of like opinions on it i liked it i i thought it was good i i mean it's not like an all-timer it wouldn't crack like probably my top 10 but there's now 31 of them i think so sure there's no shame in being in the let's call it eleven to twenty range of that. Like I was gonna say, you're in the top half. Probably, yeah. It's yeah. most likely in the eleven to fifteen range, somewhere like that. I have to sit down and do the math on like all the order of them, but I really liked it. I guess tentatively, I'll put my score as somewhere in the seven and a half to eight range. Awesome, awesome. That and that's what I expected. I'm not expecting a ten. Like yeah. that's kind of exactly. It's not. It's it's not perfect. Doing. There's there's a couple of clunky things that could have probably been a, a smidge better, but like. Sure. It's a good movie. It's, ah. it's, it's okay for a movie to just be good. It doesn't have to be the best or worst thing ever. It's right. fine to be fine. Right. Yep. I agree. Ah, I'm pumped. Can't wait to see it. Cool. Any other consumption? Um, yeah, so I don't know if you've heard, but the new season of The Mandalorian starts a week from now? A week from now. Six days from now? Six days from now. Next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> from now. From now. Um, highly elusive. Highly elusive. <laughs> so, um, I had, I had mentioned it to my parents because they like The Mandalorian. That's the only show that they've watched of Star Wars. And the, my mom's like, oh, like, refresh my mind. Like, like, what happened at the end of it? And I was like, told her. She's like, oh, yeah, like, most of that sounds familiar. 
I was like, but you guys would be kind of confused how things pick up because Book of Boba Fett is basically half a Mandalorian. So I was like, all right, let's try and watch this. I said, basically, we have two weeks to watch seven episodes. I think we'll be able to manage it. We did it in like five days. So watched all of the Book of Boba Fett start to finish last week. Um, so they're all caught up. It's kind of nice to see it again. I, I don't remember exactly how we scored all of it. I think we, we liked it. Right. But it was, like, I don't think we panned it as much as some other people it's, were, but it yeah, definitely has its, its flaws. Not, it's not the best. I even actually felt a little bit fonder towards it the second time around. Surprisingly. I mean, I think there, there, it has its moments in the early parts of the season, but then when it becomes, as we talked about, when it's the Mandalorian season 2.5, that's when it gets good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I didn't, I felt like it dragged even slightly less than I felt the first time, mm. which is, oh, I would have thought that, I would have thought I, that I experience would have gone opposite. The, the, the parts that drag because they dragged for multiple weeks, like it, it stretched like those storylines were concise like they were like one thing but they like they weren't progressing the story much it was just kind of going back and filling something out for an entire week and then you had to wait a whole week i think that's why it felt longer maybe in the past but if you were watching them one after the other it probably felt like you were moving through it at a much steadier yeah but that's cool yeah we went we went through all that parents enjoyed it they're all caught up this way we can uh jump right into mando season three without uh a lot of like uh kicking and screaming and all that so the uh, Elio says Grogu anytime he sees him now, which is perfect. Excellent. It just means I'm succeeding as a father. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Grogu's training with Luke was met with uh, a lot of appreciation. His little <laughs> ears were ridiculous and him doing little force leaps uh, while, while Luke's walking. Explaining I forgot all about there. that. Now I want to rewatch it. I kind of forgot about it, too. And like Luke just like using his hand to gently like give him a little force Push that yep. you can leap alongside oh, him. When he's, he's, yeah, when he's walking with him. That's so yeah. good. Oh, man. That's fun. Cool. I uh, I kind of want to rewatch seasons one and two of Ted Lasso um, before the new season. I think I could probably pull it. I would have loved to do that, too. There's probably no chance I'd get through all of it. Yeah, I feel like with the a couple, we have like, what, two or three weekends? And um, some weekdays. Forget exactly. I know it's what middle of March, seventeenth or something. I think like that. so. Yeah, 15th. I think we'll be all right. I think we can pull it off. But awesome. That's it for me for consumption. Yeah, I'm 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 good. I'm good at consumption as well. <laughs> I, uh, I am debating. Uh, I have a, an evening to myself tomorrow. I probably would like to play some games, but I think I'm going to try to knock out an Oscar movie that any any number of the ones that Kim's not super into. So I'm thinking maybe. Um, I think the most accessible one at the moment is probably uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, so I might I might watch that one. Okay. I am oh, largely I interested in the Elvis movie, even though I don't care for Elvis. Uh, after seeing some interviews and stuff, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of want to watch it now. Hmm. Um, I forgot. I actually have a future consumption, which uh, hopefully <laughs> will be executed in the next 24 hours. Uh, I'm going to probably go see Cocaine Bear tomorrow night. Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Definitely excited to hear how that goes. Yeah. All too. right. Well, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Released in 2022, rated PG 13 with a two hour and 41 minute runtime. A hefty run. 
It is. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you kick us off with your two length review? <clears throat> uh, saddled with the impossible task of picking up the pieces from the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, Wakanda Forever does its best to advance the narrative arc of the Black Panther and the MCU while telling a story of loss and grief to admirable but mixed results. Seven out of ten. Hmm. That's a uh, a much deeper version. Of how, like that's I completely agree with everything that you said, but my version of it was much shorter and doesn't really <laughs> shed well, light. Well, I I was trying to do it shorter and I kept like not actually conveying what I wanted to, so it just kept yeah. getting longer and longer and longer until I could that, figure out how to pare it down into something that was still coherent. That's fair. I feel like if you read between the lines of mine, you can you can maybe maybe decipher that. But uh, while it pays wonderful homage, Wakanda Forever never quite finds its footing. Seven out of ten. I feel yeah. like I give it credit in the beginning, right? Because they really do a wonderful job with that piece of it. It doesn't. It's there's friction. That it doesn't quite. It doesn't quite know how to be what it is it's trying to be. But it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a seven out of ten. <laughs> well, I think I think my my review ended up mirroring what the movie itself was, where it was like. It took longer to say what it was trying to say because it had to account for outside circumstances. Yeah, like, for sure. Both that movie with respect to the passing of Chadwick Boseman and my review with respect to what they did with respect to Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say the, the opening, the way they did the opening, like a good, I don't know, uh, was it like, it felt like maybe 15 minutes. Like, it's like a, it's a we're going to focus in on this like this is not what we planned. Yeah. This is the reality of the thing, but let's like let's really give a minute to digest this as yeah. the as the place setting for for where we're going to go. And I think it, pro- really, it probably took really 15 minutes to kill off that character, mourn that character with mm-hmm. a funeral and then set the table for these people picking up the pieces from all of that. There is no efficient way to do that and do it justice to set up an entire movie. That's going to make any sort of sense. Mm -hmm. And you can't just do a, well, everyone's sad now. Let's just do the movie we're planning on doing before he died. Like there's, there's no way to do that. So I'm, I'm sure they probably took the framework for what they were planning on doing that movie, but now I had to graft it onto a different, or a altered set of characters where all of the people who like basically it's like in like, let's say it like in sports, like in baseball or basketball, when like you have a team, but they're built around a star player. And when that star player gets injured, the second best player now has to be the best player. And the third best player mm. needs to be the second best player. <laughs> and in the same way you have a compelling cast of characters that were built to support King T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman. And without him, you both have to acknowledge all of that and understand and, and, you know, discount for that. But also now you put a greater burden on all those support characters as everyone moves up into a more important role than they would have had. And I think they did a good job of writing this to allow them to. Mm -hmm. But you have to keep 
occasionally pointing back to that, which is why like you get a whole funeral, have like an entire act of this movie, and then come back to like a secondary funeral between his mother and sister to continue to show why like they aren't operating at full efficiency and they aren't making decisive choices in the way that they would have in the absence of the death of T'Challa and T'Chaka. Like, cause like, again, this is not that long past even when he died. So right. Yeah. That's a like good point. those that's things good. continue to stack and stack and stack. And then when you get into this movie, like now the mother dies as well. It's like, it's like the Will Smith, like, where did everyone go? Like meme from like the end of Fresh Prince where like, you've now put so much on Shuri's shoulders, both narratively within the movie, as well as like externally breaking the fourth wall of like Letitia Wright and Ryan Coogler have to come up with so much for her to do to make up for this giant vacancy that's been created in what was originally an all-star cast. Yeah, there. It's it, that's true, and there also there's one other level at play here, which is like over the years, from movie to movie, the next villain had to feel more dangerous than the previous thing that we've conquered, right? And that all led to the end of the Infinity Saga, right? Mm-hmm. With, and like it's all so very good, but now we're in this weird layer of this weird level of like, okay, well, what's the next? I feel like they they're tr- they they're trying to make it like, oh, this thing is also really really bad, but it's like, yeah, but it's it's manageable. Like it works in this sense because like it it is almost like the B team is trying to handle it, which is like, okay, cool. That's not that compelling though. That piece of it, so then it's like, well, there is something interesting to be said for this new character, Namor. It's like, it, it introduces mutants to the MCU, right? And it, like, it... Maybe. Int- <laughs> and it- he, listen, he didn't choose that word coincidentally. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. I, my suspicion is we're still a ways away and he's, considering he has a very specific origin story, I don't yep. think he actually is the one that gets mutants into the MCU. Sure. I think that's um, going to be... dipping their toe in. I think the mutants thing... I think that's just more... Yeah. Dip your toe. It's, it's just... How does that word make you feel? Like, are you, Can you just mm-hmm. kind of get used to that yeah. word being it around? Was, it was a case study. They are just like, okay. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> a little interview with, with viewers after the movie. Um, because ready, I think ultimately... Ready, ready for this yet? No? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait a little while longer. <laughs> my suspicion is that the mutants will ultimately be introduced via the multiverse stuff. Yeah, that seems to be likely. Um but okay so then we have we have this character and like it is a compelling character like it is the like namor is like oh he's definitely op and they find they they work around that which you know makes sense but there's just something to it of like we faced worse so like this aspect of it can't be the central point of the movie which well, it's, well, it's not really yeah but, but also i think there's something to be said for they faced worse, but they also had better. Mm, yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. But some, something about that, though, I feel like is will will hold back a movie like this or 
probably a whole bunch of movies in the last two phases from being great because it's like you can't really do the same thing anymore because you've already leveled up so many times. You have to, you're going to have to start taking more interesting approaches to it. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. That being said, the performances are fantastic in the movie. I think everybody does a great job. Um, oh yeah. With maybe like, and not, not, to knock Julia Louis Dreyfus, but that character is a little bit too campy for the MCU. I think. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I, I I just I it, there's something about it that feels very uh, Schumacher Batman. Like like I I don't know why. Uh, listen, I, and this is not meant as criticism in any way, shape, or form. But like we're talking about a sequel to Black Panther that had Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw. Yeah. With a prosthetic gun arm. Yes. Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character is not campier than him. It's just, I don't know, it's just a different angle. And I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I, you know, what, she's also very shoehorned into the movie. Like, it's just not. Well, that part I won't totally work. disagree with. <laughs> but like, if you're going to have like, oh, well, I mean, there's also the point that Circus's performance is bananas, batshit crazy and extremely captivating. Whereas oh, again, I, I, I didn't mean that character is and why and the camp level hurts it. I didn't mean it slightly as criticism because he's fantastic in that role. <laughs> he's playing an 11 intentionally and nailing it. Yeah. But when you reach an 11, that automatically launches you to the top of camp rankings. That's my point. Mm. I mean, he comes in and he's like rapping. He's like talking about his like rap album and like his band. A South Korean casino and he's firing from his Such ridiculous, ridiculous that was so ridiculous I that's so like like there's nothing julio dreyfus done could have like come close to what that was well, again that's not, not even, criticism well, or praise or anything also, like i should also clarify it's not her it's the character i don't i don't oh get sure this character. no i understand what it's you mean. A, it's a weird it's just a, like i understand they introduced the character and now they feel they need to do something with it but they haven't figured out what that thing is or if they have they have not revealed it to me yet because i so i well, I mean, she's, from what I understand, that character is the person who will ultimately coalesce the group called, I don't remember what, but uh, <laughs> I, I forget what the, about. the name of that group is, but what's his name? The MCU's the, Suicide Squad, basically. <laughs> um, Not exactly. I, I guess it's maybe kind of similar, but it's the Wyatt Russell character from mm-hmm. the Captain America and Winter Soldier show that she was first introduced in. Uh, Riri Williams, I think, will probably be part of that group as well. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name from uh, Black Widow, the sister, <clears throat> as as well as um, Elena? Is that her name? Sure, um, and as well as um, the one who was the villain in the suit in that movie, um, the Olga Karolinko character. I think oh, right, right, right. She's right, right. also part of that group, oh, and there's was one, Taskmaster. Yes, that one. Um, like that group, and I always forget what that group's called. She's the one who kind of puts that together, which is why she keeps popping up for five minutes in all of these properties. Yeah, just to connect the dots. She's basically Thunderbolt Ross Light. Yeah. I th- there's something about the every like it, I understand that, right? They're trying to they're trying to create cohesion between the shows and the movies, but that character's presence in this movie brings the movie to a screeching halt to a point that is very painful to me. <laughs> so I think I think they made a gambit where because of how much of the main storyline deals with 
loss and grief and mourning and all that and how to process those things they felt like they needed to add levity somewhere and it, sure. you know it's like the it's like the mark hamill line from uh from the last jedi powerful dark powerful light you know like she's the overcorrection to try and bring it back into balance i i would agree with you to the extent that i don't think it works yeah exactly but i at least understand what they're trying to do yeah i don't i don't know though because like i i feel like you got that levity with um now I can't remember the character's name. Uh, Tanai Guerra's character, Okoye. Okoye. With her, she like she's really funny in this. And, like, but also, like, we see get... her like openly weeping too. Like, so she like has like a wide emotional range. Like, she's great in this movie. Yeah, she really, she really. But that whole sequence when they go to the dormitory and she <laughs> she sneaks in through the bathroom as the girls trying to sneak. Like that whole that whole exchange is hilarious. Farce. And that was Total your farce. moment. I feel like of fun. That sure, way. but the point is that they, like they're never going to just have one scene. Like they're going to try and still sprinkle a thing here and there. I don't think yeah. it worked, but like that's what they're trying to do in that moment. And like you have an incredible comedic actress, so it's like why not try and make use of that? I I largely agree with your point that it doesn't succeed, but I don't really oppose them trying. It just didn't mm. work. Yeah, I don't know, just it was just kind of weird. Like, What's it? Akoye and Shuri's banter tends to be pretty great. That's um, good. It, it was better when the two of them were playing like kind of good cop, bad cop to T'Challa, but in the absence of him, them just kind of having like a buddy cop situation is pretty funny. Um, yeah. And like after watching The Walking Dead, I never would have thought of Denai Guerrero as having like excellent comedic timing, and I feel like she sure. nails it in all of. Every time she's been this character in all of the, you know, whether it be the Finny War, Endgame, um, this Black Panther, like, I I think she, like, considering how often she's meant to be the serious one, when she mm-hmm. cracks a one-liner, it really has some gravitas and weight to it. Um, I appreciate that from someone who I would have think is more of a serious actor as opposed to yeah. a comedic one. I think that's part of what makes it so funny is, like, that dichotomy being brought oh, for sure. into one. I um yeah, that's the, I, I completely agree. The uh w- what's cool for me like with the movie like I I do think that it got off to it like it gets off to like a really good start because like the obviously the the pre-credit sequence was wonderful, but then like going right into it, the whole like um I don't know what 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 group of people that was supposed to be like the uh, Angela Bassett's character Ramonda is like walks into this that office of like there's like it's the, the UN it, it, but is it the UN or is it it's like whatever they call it right I feel like they had a different name it was like the Security Council okay UN Security so Council. but that whole sequence of them like ha- like being like okay this is we're gonna we're gonna like get one over and we're gonna finally get some like access to vibranium and they were just like <laughs> that like mic drop moment of like you you tried we're gonna let you have this one but if you do this again we will destroy you <laughs> and like in but in you know in a much in much more um pc verbiage yes. <laughs> that's that's the that's the takeaway it's like we like look the reason you don't have access to this is we know you will fuck this up so if you try to get it again we will fuck you up <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing as like 
when like you have that conversation when you're like a teenager and like you're kind of thinking about maybe sneaking some of your parents alcohol but like they're wise to the fact that you're at the point where you're thinking about sneaking your parents alcohol and it's like respect the effort but mm-hmm. you're in for a world of pain if but you were so grounded yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but okay so so moving on from that then we have like this these characters um was it Lake Bell and whoever she's working with and they're <laughs> and that guy <laughs> they're in the ocean and they're tracking vibranium with this tracker thing which is just a plot movement device to get us to this character that created it but like the whole thing I, like both the the first time and then the second time cuz I couldn't remember having these thoughts the first time I watched the movie I was like wait do I know these characters? Did I miss something? Like, is is there something like because like this is a known actor? Like, what is what's going on here? And it's very clunky. And it's like, uh, the siren song starts, and like, and it's like, oh, it's the Wakandans. I was like, well, hang on, let's let's pump the brakes for a second. Why? Yes, the Wakandans, <laughs> notorious for swimming out of the middle of the ocean and singing. Yep, that was just felt. I was like, so that so, but like, I remember the the. It, it have, was a scene from an issue with it. It was a scene from the other guys when they get attacked and Mark Wahlberg goes, it's Columbia Drug Lords. <laughs> where, are you, where are you getting that from? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what bothers me about it is like the first time I feel like I didn't have enough. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm just in the moment watching the movies. So I'm not dissecting it as much. But like the second time through, I'm like, no, okay. The, first off, pump the brakes. Secondly, this whole siren song thing is really cool. Like the sound effect was yes. the sound design in this movie is fantastic. Yes. And I was like, this is bonkers. The characters jumping off the ship, I'm like, that's like it's very eerie and creepy. I was like, oh, this movie's like it's got some what kind of like mysterious thriller vibes going on from the it's awesome. And it's like, okay, put the put the earbuds in because um clearly they're mind controlling. And I'm like, wait a second, why do you have those? As well, if now, he knew this was going to be a thing. Well, no, he he didn't say mind control, which is important. He said it's some sort of sonic attack, sonic which makes sense okay. because all of the people outside could hear something and the people inside couldn't quite hear it. So it does sure. make sense. So why, I, why I agree. The, those earplugs at the ready, though. Like, like, well, they came in on a helicopter, so. Okay. Okay, maybe. So I, I agree. The first time I saw it, I thought that scene was a little chaotic with, like, the foreknowledge of what happened going in the second time, I actually think it made more sense to me the second time around because I am going to wait for you to change your headphones. Uh, Hi. Hi. I missed what you said. Yeah, no, it's okay. I said I was with you the first time where, like, I was kind of confused, but having that foreknowledge going in the second time, I actually, it it's not as clunky and chaotic as it seemed the first time, in, in my opinion. The second time around, I still had that moment of, oh, God, it's the Wakandans. But it, it does make sense when you consider it's right after the scene where they tried to steal some of this shit from them, were slapped on the wrist. They've been making conscious efforts to block anyone access to it. So they go out on their own and try to find stuff outside of Wakanda, and immediately they get attacked. Logically, you can understand why they would jump to the conclusion that it's the Wakandans. And also, I... I think I might have missed it or didn't quite process it the first time I saw it, but at the end, when she escapes on the helicopter, well, almost escapes on the helicopter, when mm-hmm. she's on the helicopter and they think they've escaped, she makes a call immediately. We don't know who that receives that call, and she says, it's not the Wakandans. Oh, okay. They're blue, yeah. and then the helicopter gets tugged 
by blue guys. <laughs> exactly. So she never gets to finish that thought. Okay. But they actually do go full circle yeah, on she, it. She, and she, because she, they, she, they, she takes they, it back. Because they came on a helicopter, it makes sense that they would have in-ear earplugs. Because a lot of times with something like that, you would have the foam ones that go in your ears and then have the over-the-ear ones that like sure. you're wearing on top of that to, pre- okay. to preserve for a long flight. That's what you would do for all that. So it actually... That okay. whole sequence is pretty well written, but I agree. The first time I watched it, I was also a little thrown by how chaotic it seemed. I'll I'll, I'll allow that. Uh, the next one, I I I I'm gonna need some help getting past. Um, blue guys come out of the water. Really yeah. cool scene, yes. right? The jump out of the water, throw the spear thing. Awesome. Uh, shoot that guy. No effect. <laughs> right. Awesome. Very cool. They have I don't know super intense skin i don't know yet I don't well care. also if, if you pay attention they they've gotten better at this with the advent of cgi but i'm this is kind of a borderline stormtrooper-esque but if you if you notice the shots when when he says like shoot him and like the person shoots like at the whatever that guy's name was who was like the, the one of the two henchmen of namor mm-hmm. the big guy and he shoots him in the chest every bullet pops off of one of the straps he's wearing across his chest sure and you reasonably you would assume that that's made of vibranium Considering all their shit's made of vibranium. I, I guess. Now, it's straight. I'll agree. It strains credulity that, like, the strips don't cover a lot of surface area, that the bullets would only hit there. But to be fair, at least visually, they're delivering to you. The, you see the bullets pinging off of the straps. Yeah, sure. Uh, but then to be followed up by, I'm going to immediately be able to one shot everybody else, like, while running away. Well, the ones who don't have vibranium plot armor, yes. <laughs> The the most effective plot armor, <laughs> for sure. So, but like it's weird because it's like almost like it's a like. But they are Namor they are is super powerful, right? He is super he strong. Is. Whereas, but, he's like, a, but they're not quite that level. No, but they are still strong. He remember he said uh, was it? Yeah, I think it was him. He says I have like an army that like dwarfs yours, and all of them mm-hmm. are superhuman. Not mm-hmm. to his level, but in their own right, they are still more than the average man. Yeah. Just, Still, it was weird. Um, anyway, that was the introduction of the of those folks, which was yes. cool. Um, some some very cool visual stuff. The music, I, I can't the the music and sound design of the of this movie is yeah. fantastic. Well, I've Just always all around. I've always really liked that kind of like war chant sound with like mm-hmm. like kind of like the the electronic beat underneath. Like like we were talking earlier with the, when they ah. <laughs> well, I don't think that's the one I was thinking of, but <laughs> the uh, like the that's that that theme that they they play it a few times throughout, but like to me, it, it kind of actualizes the most in this movie when um, they thwart the theft and they're bringing the prisoners into that UN council meeting, and mm-hmm. as the door Milano oh yeah in, yeah that sound I've always thought was a really cool so theme. good. Um, the siren thing was was really cool. I remember the first time I saw it. Like they, started, I was like, "What the hell is that?" And then like you see them coming up and singing, and the people jumping off. I was like, "Oh, they're literally sirens." That's badass. <laughs> That's so, yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> oh man. Um. So we do get uh we get our uh, an more introduction, which was cool. I have this idea of like, okay, like this threat is. It, it is kind of interesting to, to like, where we've been dealing with so much and this, and now that is over here? Like, come on! <laughs> like, it's like throwing them for a loop. Um, it was kind of cool. But when they introduce 
his backstory and they do that whole thing where they come to the land and he's got the little wings and he and he like <laughs> flies up into the air. There's something extremely terrifying about that scene and like they nail it's creepy. It's creepy. And I uh I well, good on them for it cuz that was a uh, I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Like, what's he going to do to these people? He's going to murder <laughs> them. But it's, uh, it's creepy. The underwater, speaking of the music and the sound design, the whole like underwater tour that Shuri takes. Oh, that was fantastic. Also, it's just I, like I couldn't, visually just, stunning. <laughs> I couldn't understand a word in that song, but it was badass. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like them, the whole underwater thing. I... On the one hand, I think maybe it was truer to it because I thought some of what they did in the um, Aquaman movie was really cool, but it was probably too artificially lit. Mm-hmm. And like some of like the water hair effect stuff was cool with all of that, but like this felt truer to like what you would expect when you're like so far under the water that you have to worry under the like, sea when you're being yeah when you're being like kind of flirtatious with this person who's maybe your frenemy and. Mm. Oh no! You can't possibly go down there. It'll crush you, and um, yeah, oxygen would get pushed out of your bloodstream, and your lungs would burst. Or you could wear a suit. Um, <laughs> but uh, like when they go down there, I think it's cool that they like considering like the whole origin of the society is that they were like chased out of slavery in like fifteen hundreds, like Central America, and you see that. Um, that game, I forget what it's called, that like the was the Mayans or the Aztecs had where they bumped the ball through the ring back yeah. and forth, uh, which I'm pretty sure was played with severed human heads in real life, but sure. thankfully it wasn't in this case. Um, but yeah, just to have that and like the fact that you have like kind of those like I and I'm not enough of an archaeologist to know if it was Mayan or Aztec type of temple, like like that is the architecture that they built for themselves below the sea as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and but whatever. it belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. Um, <laughs> all of that, I thought that sequence was really, really yeah. cool. It was pretty awesome. Also, what? I, so here's where, like, one of those things where, like, I feel like they were onto something, and then they went, like they they kind of just slightly miss it. Is Namor's plan obviously bad? Mm. Right, not a good plan. Um, it's ob- your ob- obvious bad guy plan. It's a lesser um, version of the Killmonger plan from the first one. Yeah. But what's compelling is that Shuri is in the absolute perfect position to be manipulated by this idea right now in this moment. And I'm thinking that, and when they start relaying the plan, I'm like, this is kind of cool. I feel like she's going to be able to see eye to eye on this and then I'm gonna have to internally struggle around it. But she immediately is like, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> but well, it's funny. It, I, I, that, as much as that, that part's true, it's funny. I actually kind of was a little surprised because what very little I know about this character going in. Apparently, in the comics, like, Namor was, like, horny as fuck. Okay. Like, he's, like, one of the horniest characters in Marvel history, apparently. Oh. Um, yeah. So I assumed this was going to end with them forming some sort of marriage pact and that's like the way Mm. that you kind of like temper the whole like blood feud war thing that was going on um and they did lay the 
groundwork with like a little bit of flirtatious stuff like hey come check out my apartment vibes yeah. but instead it's my underwater underwater like kingdom i built um and you know he got to go see a little bit of wakanda and then comes back and gets to see it's like some of that city and like they kind of trade stories and he gives her his like mom's thing like the bracelet and all that mm-hmm. um and they left that extremely like out of the <laughs> the final yeah. resolution of all of this and that's fine um there's still probably enough threads that if they want to chase that down somewhere down the line, I guess you could. They could. Uh, yeah. But it also, after watching that and then watching Quantumania, I realized um, it's fine, but it's like it it's now becoming like oddly noteworthy how chaste the MCU is. Like, we got some really bad flirtation between Hulk and Black Widow, and did they kiss one time and there's a weird Mm. thing of like no like romantic interaction between scott and hope in this new movie and huh um i guess that's interesting you kind of get some like eyes between peter and gamora right and is is Thor and Jane the most that we've ever gotten like 10 years ago? It just, it starts to strain credulity at a certain point. Like you're not going to get yeah. like pornographic sex scenes. And I don't think anyone wants that from this. No, no. But, I, that's but, not what I'm advocating on behalf of, but like at a certain point, like there is, I guess Tony, Tony and Pepper have a kid, but there is extremely no, off screen. Yeah. There's no real. Yeah. There's nothing. Huh? That I, I had never even, Notice I first that. I first noticed it, and now during, I can't unnotice it. <laughs> yeah, I I first noticed it during old like uh, Age of Ultron because the flirting was so bad and the chemistry was so bad between um Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson. Like it's so bad. Yeah, it's not. Good. And I was like, oh yeah, they've never really committed to doing this. Like, there's been a couple of like yeah. I, I, I guess you, you'd you have to probably go back to Liv Tyler and Edward Norton. And Edward Norton doesn't exist in these movies anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, in Winter yeah, Soldier, uh, Black Widow and uh, Steve Rogers do kiss that one time on the escalator, and it's very scandalous. Yeah, it's like, because... Is, and, is and also, something? Also, yeah, also, like, apparently zero actual emotion and all that. They literally do it to hide from guys who are chasing them down. Yeah. They literally use it as a cover. Yeah. And then, like, he has that awkward kiss with his former crush's great niece in the next movie. Sure. Hmm. Mm. I don't understand how it's possible for them to have gone through 30 movies and not have, like, a credible romance. And again, I'm not talking about, like, it has to be, like, racy or rated R, but, like, yeah. you don't even really see, like, any sort of, like, romantic. No time for love, Dr. Jones. No time for love. <laughs> <laughs> it's. <laughs> It, I'm just saying it kind of strains credulity at this point. And yeah, like, you're, you're, that, you're not wrong. Like, we've all watched Game of Thrones. Like, marriage pacts are a thing to, like, end wars and, like, harden alliances. And, like, it would have made sense. You have a godlike king and a godlike queen uniting these two vibranium-related yeah. cultures that ostracize from the rest of humanity. Uh, oh, we did, have, we did have something in Black Panther in the original. It wasn't yeah. like... Um, he, he's clearly into, was it, what's, uh, Nakoi? What's her name? Nakia? Nakia. 
So they have a yeah they I mean, they, like a, they flirt a bit and like I mean well I'm guessing you saw the post credits so you know yeah they have an, they have an off screen kid too extremely off screen yeah <laughs> um, wow that's really funny I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna know I feel like I'm gonna really notice this now like the the yeah. actual effort to not do it is yeah, is that, now becoming more and more prevalent like and that's what I'm that's what I'm observing is like they're oh, man. straining they're creating a tremendous amount of strain and effort to not do it. It's, become, it's going to become the Diane Kruger chastity belt. <laughs> it's just... Someone needs to call the locksmith for the MCA. I, so you had mentioned that uh, that uh, Namor is supposed to be the horniest character in the MCU, but I would argue that uh, Ulysses Claw was probably the horniest character. Like, just not for anything in particular, but all things. <laughs> he, he was, you could argue that he was horny for life. You could. Yeah. <laughs> Um, although I would argue that while many creatures have both, he has claws, not horns. <laughs> wow, that took you way too long. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> He's clawy for it. <laughs> oh my god. That's ridiculous. Wow, that's really bizarre. Why is that? That's that's a choice. That's a choice that's been made. That, that's what that that's really what I'm remarking on. Right? You, you like, don't you don't accidentally have no romance in 33 movies. That yeah, that that is yeah. exactly my huh. point. It's like it's it's really weird that they've gone this far and like it like you can't go this far and be where they are without it being an active perpetual choice. They're just saving this all for Disney Plus Plus, which is like a Disney After Dark streaming service. Disney X Plus. <laughs> Disney XD takes on a whole new meaning. Oh God. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just picturing like you know they have the animation and like Disney Plus, and then the plus just turns 45 degrees and it's or to 90 degrees and it's now an X. Or it would be 45 degrees, yeah. The plus just turns 45 degrees and it's now an X. <laughs> the plus turns 90 degrees and nothing changes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this was one of those movies, though, where with the effects, like to your, to your point earlier in the show, I feel like they're 90% really good. Yeah. And then there's like an occasional, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a bizarre thing. Yeah. Because uh, like, I think most of like the Namor stuff was pretty good. And then there's a couple of times where he's like really like skating through the air, which is like, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, cool I will concept, say not great execution. If this movie has highlighted anything, it's, I mean, well, two things, I guess, now at this point. One, there's a severe lack of romance in the MCU. And two, there's also a severe lack of M'Baku. Because that is just... He is just a tremendous character. It seemed like... i mean, In like, many ways. It, <laughs> it seemed like there was definitely like a conscious effort to get him a little bit more involved. Specifically in yeah. the, the pol- politicking and intrigue as opposed to the action sequences. You got a little bit of that as well. But it was like such weird concentrations of him yeah. throughout the movie where like he was on screen for 45 minutes and then like he had like three scenes across like five. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. can we like pace him a little bit more evenly or, but I, I just, I, well, first off I do. I love when he's like sincere. Right. And he's very helpful to Sherry. He guides her in, in, in a lot of ways when she's lost, which I think is awesome. But the, when that one scene where he's, where he starts, <laughs> starts going, Ooh, and everybody's following along. Like it, the, <laughs> The pitch of that is so perfect. Again, yeah. sound design. I'm just like this. I could watch this on repeat. 
This is just excellent. There's so much is conveyed in that one sound. <laughs> yeah. I also, also want to talk about... He just straight up walks on screen and eats a carrot. As he's walking into that meeting. Yep. <laughs> it's like a super serious scene. And to the point where I wondered whether he that was just Winston Duke. You know, right. And he walked into the scene and they're like, Winston. And he goes, no, let's just go with it. And like that became part of the final cut. Like, I hope so. Because sure otherwise, why so. would that be a part of that? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it does it does work with the character, right? Like where he is like, I like this. Like Sarah, like no, like it doesn't. I'm just, I'm hungry. Like I don't even care. But it's just, <laughs> it's just him chomping on a carrot. Like <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, when Shuri goes to the ancestral plane and sees Killmonger, Fantastic. that's such an oh shit moment, right? Yes. That is like, oh, this is so good. Because I, mean, this- I think everyone assumes it's going to be Queen Ramonda, right? Like. I thought they might go for it with a CG T'Challa. Now, everything they talked about, it sounded like... I mean, the fact that you don't even see him on his deathbed, mm-hmm. like, I I don't think they would have betrayed it with that. No, I don't think they should have. I just thought, like, the way that the movie was going, I was I thought that's where it was going to end up. No, if you um, heard all the conversation around it all this time, I mean, like, it sounded like they were... They were trying to be very respectful of him and had yeah. the intention of trying to recreate him because which is great a good way to do it especially mm-hmm. it's way too soon for that um mm. but i you know i thought considering her mom just died just died yeah i figured that's the way because that's what they did with t'challa right like his technically his father had just died chronologically when mm-hmm. he does that and and sees him on the ancestral plane <clears throat> so my assumption i think that that's what they're leading for you is you want it to you assume you want it to be her brother. No, it can't be. Mm-hmm. You assume it's going to be her mother, and then for it to be Killmonger instead—that's such a great twist. That's yeah, it is. It is a twist. I was also part of me. I I did wonder. I was like, as it starts, I'm like, okay, who's she going to see? Like, are they going to do it? I hope not. I don't think they would do it, and they probably won't. Is it going to be nobody? That was another thing that crossed my mind, and I was yeah. like, oh, what will that? What will that mean for her? Like, <laughs> but then. Killmonger. I was like, oh, this is so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's actually perfect to where the character is at, like in that exact yeah. moment. It was actually pretty damn good. And I love that he mirrored the same question that Namor had already, like when she had asked, like, how? And he mirrors back that exact same line how is never as important as why? To bring that full circle, you know, as like pointing this entire lesson is like, why is any of this happening? Why is Namor yeah. driven to this point? Why are you driven to this point? That is much more important than any of the other shit that's gone on. Everything else yeah. is window dressing. What's more important is why has it come to this and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Man, that was cool. We got a pretty epic final battle. Yeah, I that was classic. mostly pretty well done. MCU fashion, yeah, for sure. I will say the one thing that I thought was 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 odd was like at the end of it, it, it seemed like it was very cl- like clear that they were like she just she just killed Namor after all of this, like because of like that was it was a pretty intense. Let's blow this thing up while he's weak. Boom, and then he gets fried and his eyes are open and he falls face down onto the ground. Like oh wow, cool, like they did that. But then he you know he's but no he's okay because we need him for more. Um, I was just like oh, that that felt a little weird. 
to me. And it was just I thought they were just going to commit to it. <laughs> I was a little confused at first as well, but I mean, when you think about it, like he's not really standing that close to the thing when she blows it up or whatever, right? So mm, no, but he's like he. I mean, he's completely engulfed in flames. Yeah, but he. I mean, even being dried out, like he still is pretty powerful. He's powerful. Yeah, that's true. And then. It is. It's such a. It's such a slap in the face, though. That after all of this, at the end of the movie, he's just like, "Well, even though she beat me, like we're totally gonna use them." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can't change the stripes. <laughs> well, that it's possible. I the way I interpreted it more was he was trying to save face, where it was the first time. He faced a challenge in 500 years that he couldn't mm-hmm. best. And so he's got to maintain this appearance to his people who are now questioning him. Like, could you? No mm-hmm. one ever questioned him the entire movie. And now one of his top lieutenants is like, uh, hey, you um, said this was going to go a different way. And now, like, you're just going to, like, be their little bitches. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're going to use them. I assure you. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I did appreciate that that whole final fight sequence, at least like they tried to do some different things, like incorporating the different levels of like the Jabari tribe, like being the muscle and the backbone while the Dormelage are going through the acrobatics. Yeah, that was stuff, cool. Seeing the power with the, the grace and then mixing in the Ironheart suit, as well as the two suits that were made for Nakia and Okoye. Those were um, so badass also. Yeah. Getting that, that kind of, uh, that extra fight between, um, Okoye and, um, the, the guy who works for Namor, who I'll never remember his name if they ever said it. Um, uh, Atuma. Yeah. Him. Um, that I, I appreciated that, fight choreography and all of that. And like the different ways she was using the suit was pretty cool. Again, like I feel like all of that stuff is awesome, but the music and sound effects steal the show in those scenes. I don't like this. They, the, the sound design operates at a different level in this movie than in, I mean, the MCU in general is pretty damn good about it, but there's something about this movie and the previous black Panther movie. They're like next level. Awesome. Um, so so no, cool. The Ironheart thing was interesting. I, I guess I mean that's really more just of a character introduction, right? Like similar to. Oh, this uh, wasn't a character introduction. Riri Williams was introduced before this movie came out in a Target commercial. <laughs> Did you know that? No. So I remember seeing those commercials. I thought it was just a commercial for. I think the whole thing was about like promoting education amongst children and like a better future and all that. And it's like, uh, I think it was kind of a back to school thing as well. I don't remember. And there's a young black girl who's doing like an engineering project. And it was like, Oh, like if you support students their whole way through, eventually they could achieve excellence at a higher level than they ever would have expected. And like, that was, I thought the whole point of the ad campaign. And it was like, Oh, like check out Wakanda forever. And it was like, Oh, okay. Like, funny. They're doing like a hey, you could be the next Tony Stark thing. I didn't realize that the girl in that commercial was cast to be the next Tony Stark <laughs> in the movie until I saw the movie. I was like, yeah. wait, that was the girl from the fucking commercial. <laughs> that's pretty okay. That's that's kind of funny. 
Um, I just, I feel like it should have been a bigger deal, like, as part of the ad campaign. Like, the fact that this is not just, like, a symbolic thing. She's actually in the movie, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, in a major role. Yeah, missed missed opportunity. I do wish we would have gotten a bit of an explanation as to how she got her hands on the Stark Tech stuff, though. Like, I was fine with everything about, like, the character. Like, like, there's always going to be, like, super geniuses, and that's what she is, and she's... Clever, she's hands-on, she's doing all this stuff. Um, she's extrapolated and doing things that people didn't think were possible. And like just by chasing down like leads of something that like no one would have considered to do. That's all great and all. And I have no problem with her applying that knowledge to being able to build her own version of an Iron Man suit, but you don't just build that from scratch, probably. Like right. would have been nice to just get a thread to how she got like yeah. The foundation to that that she was then able to build and make her like own. similar to uh, oh, oh, what is it the vulture like doing scrapping and getting all the tech needed yeah to make, literally you know, yeah. something like that you know yeah I, and you know what though I feel like there's a possibility that they know that and there's more to the character's origin that we'll get at a later time that helps I, I, fill that in but yeah I just think it was weird considering like it's not like they ignored it like. Mm. Shuri asks her, she's like, is that Stark Tech? And she just kind of hand waves it. And like, that's the end yeah. of the conversation. They never come back to it. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. It's, all that shit's online now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I like, I mean, I know we talked about it before, but like when she, when, when Akoye comes into the, when she's hiding in the bathroom and she's like, yeah. what the fuck? And she, she starts throwing bigger and bigger things at her. She just <sighs> slashes them <laughs> But she oh. was, what's that? No, I, I just that that reminded me of one other bullet thing that really bothers me, which was when in the beginning they like I don't know they lightsaber blocked bullets with their spears. Just no. Yeah, that's uh, no. That's that's strange credulity as well. Like because it's it's just because they're they're people, right? If they were superheroes, it's like fine, right? But fine. they're not. Yeah. Like it's... or even I don't know. Give me give me one little one little hint about like the spear maybe has some sort of like extreme like magnetic-esque power that helps to like it actually attracts them so that you can block like i don't know they could have done something like that or give me an inquisitor style thing where like they could hit it like a motorized thing that pivots faster than like the human couldn't like spin it type of thing yeah um (laughs) yeah i love doing that fight when it was it anika it it has the two blades (laughs) It's, it's like, what are you, like, what are those? Those are badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked her. She was funny. She, is she, so mad about it, though. She injected some solid snarky humor into it. I appreciated her. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Dora Bellagio has always been funny. Like, I've always appreciated that group of characters together. Um, I feel like they're ripe for an animated series. Okay. okay. Like, you know, like just like a like a cool like they like they go out on whatever missions and like it's really just like more action based, like not really super detrimental to the story of the MCU proper, but like its own little thing where you get to, I don't know, the, it could be vo- voiced by the same actors, like like having their banter back. Like I feel like it could make for like a fun group, like animated series. I also feel like they could have been a perfect group. To make a Guardians holiday special esque thing, mm, it doesn't have to that's be true. a holiday special, but with that banter and them seeming to have fun, like with all that stuff together, like you could absolutely yeah. make like a, a forty five minute like 
not serious thing with them doing something like chasing down someone within Wakanda or like I can see that stupid on the road like like it's like like what do they do when like Queen Ramonda was like in session like at the UN and it's like them like <laughs> you know if they weren't like thwarting a terrorist attack like you know it's them like I don't know sitting in a cafe sitting in a cafe like in full armor waiting for the them to like at the at the UN cafeteria like sitting in the cafeteria with like the, the spears like uh, like on the table like you know like better, I feel well, like better yet was... after the movie where Okoye has the the blues <laughs> just, just looking like a fish out of water is this thing getting uglier every time <laughs> <laughs> oh man I um I do love Martin Freeman. Yes. I always have. He's just great in everything that he's in. But I like in this one. Yeah. I feel like it was like one of those things that they didn't really have a spot for him, but they like, well, you know, he's part of the Black Panther movies, so we have to bring him back. Like, I don't know, didn't really do the character any justice. But him being in the like arrested and then <laughs> freed by Okoye was pretty cool. Yeah. I think he was just meant to be a tie to bringing that whole thing, like how this actually connects back to, like the one the the artists formerly known as Shield aspect of the MCU, like mm-hmm. as they keep apprised of what's going on between these superpower nations that so transcend them in power and technology. Yeah. Um. And finally, the post credit scene, which was just that one hurt. It yeah. was so good. It was so well done. And that kid could so be their son. Like, <laughs> looks like both of them, like, like actually has features of both of them that I was just like, where did they find this kid? <laughs> <laughs> just a, the most adorable child. What's your real name? Oh, oh. <laughs> this, this is too much. I can't take it. My heart. <laughs> but um, that kid's going to grow up and be an absolute badass, and he's going to be in the movies eventually. It would be cool if they, if especially if that, that kid could, you know, grow up and they could actually use him. In that would be awesome. Those movies like that would that would be really cool if, if that's what life has uh, in store for him. Yeah. Ah, man. Just what a wonderful post credit sequence, though. Like, between the music and just, think, like, it's it's beautiful already when she's burning the garb. And, like, it's, like, awesome. I'm like, this is great. And then the moment it snaps back in and the two of them are out of focus in the background, your heart just explodes. <laughs> so, uh, and then and then is like, did my mom know? And she was like, Yes, and then you you can connect the dots. That's that's the thing that she wanted to tell her back at the water at the very beginning. <sighs> it's magic. It's magic. That like that adds an entire point to the score of this movie. Like it's so good. <laughs> that's like when because like in that moment doing that scene and like putting that piece of the story together, like that's that real heart of the MCU. Like just really understanding the characters, understanding the story, understanding what they have. Like like pivoting and doing what they have to do to make it work, but then absolutely nailing it with that particular aspect of the storyline. I was just like, they still got it. They still, they- <laughs> those, those sons of bitches. They still got it. <laughs> uh, anything else on Wakanda forever? Um, no, I think we got a, 
We got all the good stuff. Nice. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. The last word on The Last of Us. Al, we're at episode... What is this now? Five? Um, six. Six? That was the sixth episode? Yeah. Seven, there was, nine, so there's three left. There was the first two leaving Boston. The third one was Bill and Frank. There was mm-hmm. four or five in Kansas City. And then this was right. six. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so there's still seven, eight, and nine left. Cool. And the next one is the DLC, which is pretty cool. Oh, okay. Um, I was curious, like, how they were going to play out certain parts of it and, like, how it was going to fit into the narrative of, and, like, how, but, like, to see that they did a three-month time jump between the previous episode and this episode, I think was was clutch. And then also, I mean, tremendous on the performances. Like, it definitely feels like those characters have been together for a long period of time now, and they've become acquainted with each other and like i think that they really they they nailed it like as far as shooting the the shows go like they didn't you know they didn't hang out for three months between those two episodes and then shoot the next episode like that's i mean that's that's really good acting like it's just like it's very believable it's great writing like they are they are hitting all of the points they're doing I feel like they're doing so much with nods to also where things things go in the second season and like really setting up the story so that it feels more cohesive going through versus like right like writing a story in addition to what was already done. Um, this is it's just it's really heavy too. Like the whole Ellie finding out about Jill's daughter and like abruptly finding out about it, and then their whole standoffish like like. Uh, their host not standoffish. Their standoff like argument in the bedroom of like, uh, you know, you're not my father, and like, uh, yeah, you're not my daughter. Like that whole thing, like shot for shot from the game, really well done. Actually, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see any of the clips that people put together where they play both scenes at the same time. No, I haven't. But like in moments where it matters, they really are staying very true to it, and I think that's such an awesome. It's so awesome to have the actual game creator on there like <laughs> as yeah. part of the team to make sure that it stays um like in line and it's just it's just so tommy's a great character already like it's just i am i am so happy with how the show is coming together yeah it's i feel been like really they're good. doing it great i i will say i was a little i mean you know you can argue because plot or whatever but it comes down to the crucial decision of is it going to be Joel or is it going to be Tommy that helps her finish his, finish her journey? And then why couldn't it have been both of them? Like Tommy was willing to do it for Joel because Joel said he couldn't do it anymore. And then Mm -hmm. he's like, Oh, I have to do it. But he still has the very real fear that he's not capable. If Tommy was willing to go and do it, like why wouldn't he just go help them? I think because Tommy, like, 
ultimately understands that it has to be done. But he really is scared and he really wants to be there for his wife and unborn child. Sure, I'm just saying like their ch- their chances of success go up with two versus one. Yeah, but there's like an unnecessary risk to Tommy, even though that that almost diminishes how severe we think the situation is, I guess, if he's not willing to put that on the line to potentially save humanity. I don't know. That's a good it's a good question. Um, and it could definitely help could have helped with a bunch of things that are going to be coming up yeah. <laughs> for sure. But um, and that's a small quibble. Like, you know, yeah, it wouldn't fine. be the first time that thematically, like we just said, well, no, it's gotta be me. And it's, but it's like, you were going to do it. So like, why not just do it? <laughs> Plus like you get to catch up with your brother who you haven't seen in years and all that. Like there's, they there's have, a number of reasons. <clears throat> yeah. Th- their relationship is great. I, w- I love what they've done with those two characters and like their interaction at the bar. And they're like, Obviously, they miss each other and they love each other, but they definitely have like brothers butting head moments. Like they're so like real. Like I, it's they they've they've casted this show so well. They've written it so well. They like everything about it is coming together. It just in just this incredible form. I I could not be happier with the execution to this point. Yeah, I'm, no, I mean it's 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 pretty damn well polished. Um, I am so excited to see how they pull off the ending of the game in on the screen and like what they're going to do. And I'm obviously not, I'm not spoiling. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just like, I can't wait to see how, like, it's so crazy. (laughs) Like what's going to go down. It's it's obviously, this is in the planet of the apes connected universe because uh, of the Colorado state monkeys. (laughs) That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, it's it's bananas. We're gonna get a we're gonna get Wait, a dip no. away from no. You can't follow up my joke with it's gonna be bananas. <laughs> oh, I tried to go right past it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, we we are gonna get a lull in the next episode from that core storyline to do some. Well, uh, I, I figured this was going to be big time coma slash dream slash taking care of someone episode like bottle episode yeah. type of thing. Back back Phil Ellie yeah. Ellie story, which is cool. Um, speaking of which, I never finished the DLC, and Brian told me it should only take me about an hour, so I might try to knock it out before Sunday. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I I've got nothing else. This show is great. I. There's, I mean, this the episode was like, it was cool, like different, char- like to see different characters. I think the, um, I like the introduction of Tommy's wife and their kid, and like a little bit about their relationship, and obviously like her, her, um, being a little off put by Joel arriving because she knows Tommy's history because Tommy's like explained it to her, like that's. That's all of that is like super tense and like uh, like it's like oh there's a big elephant in the room that we don't want to talk about but like it's and it's Joel <laughs> but it's I don't know it's 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 really compelling it's just a it, it's so the I feel like the relationships and um the the way that they they play them out are just they're just so real 
which is funny for like a a post-apocalyptic thing that like no one's ever experienced. Like for them to actually like, it makes sense, right? Humans are still going to be humans in this time. So like to like, ha- like to capture that essence um, in their relationships is just fantastic. Hmm. And that's the last word. On the last of us. On the last of us.